Hello and welcome to the Headstuff Podcast. This is episode 24. I'm here with Conor Wilkins. Hello, Alan. Hello. Um, a very gentle Conor Wilkins there. Um, this is the uh, the end of year best music roundup episode. Mm-hmm. So it's an in-house episode and we talk about music. And we recorded it in a house. We recorded it in a house. So thanks very much to Louise Bruton, straight up, for uh, giving us up, giving, letting us into her house to write a place and sit, sit around the, the table, table and, uh, uh, for hours on end. Yep. Uh, so um, in this episode, we have Louise, uh, Louise Bruton, who's a wonderful writer, um, writes a lot for Head Stuff, uh, but also writes for other things like Sunday Business Post, I think, Irish Times, BuzzFeed, things like that. Uh, we have Dave Hanratty, who's the music editor of headstuff.org. Um, and he's been on the podcast loads of times. Um, so you all know what to expect from Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great guy. Uh, we have uh, Colin O'Regan, uh, who uh, is a writer for Hot Press. And we have Dean Van Nguyen, who is a freelance writer for uh, various people like NME and Pitchfork. Um, so we, we all sat around the table and had a great big chat about music, people's favourite albums of the year, uh, favourite songs, best arts of the year, that kind of stuff. Also the biggest music stories. Yep. So features things like streaming services, Apple Music, Taylor Swift. Uh, what covered else? a lot of ground. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground. Kanye West, of course, um, various times. My God. <laughs> uh, if you say Kanye West one more time, I'm actually going to go mental. Okay. I probably... I might. We'll see what happens. Um, we talked about uh, vinyl and CDs and things like that. We talked about like Sam Smith, Adele. We talked about a lot, of, a lot of the big stories of of the year. Uh, we also got everybody's. Uh, we we kind of ranked everybody's favorite stuff. So um, I think it's I think it's fun. I think I think it's a good episode. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, so. Um, Thanks again for downloading it. You could actually have a little drinking game while you're listening to the podcast. Yeah, okay. Because there was a lot of cans drank. Yes, anytime Every someone anytime opens a can. someone open a can, you should open a can. All right, there you go. So anytime you hear somebody opening a can or popping a bottle of uh, Prosecco, you have to have a drink. <laughs> so that's your that's the drinking game for the episode. And let us know on, on Twitter, uh, uh, Headstuff, or, or Facebook, Headstuff. Um, how you got on? I think it only happens like four times. So no, it's a few more. Tame now, enough drinking. I yet. don't know. I think it's a few more. Now. Okay, right. Um, so cool. Enjoy the episode. This is uh, episode twenty-four of the Headstuff Podcast. Whoa! Well, let's wow. just start there. We're yeah. all here. We're we're talking. There's loads of us around a <laughs> tiny table. Uh, it feels like another live live episode of the podcast. Uh, so I suppose I'll introduce everyone. I'm here with Connor, as, as usual, Connor Wilkins. Hello. Uh, Dave, the music editor of uh, Headstuff. Hello. Uh, Dave and Ratty. And Dave has uh, brought together um, his uh, team of music experts. A ragtag crew, if yes. there was one. Yeah. <laughs> so we have uh, Louise Bruton, uh, Headstuff writer. Hello. For the music <laughs> section mainly, and the humour section. Ah, look, every finger, every pie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have uh, Dean Van Nguyen. How's that? Perfect. Yes, nailed it. Uh, who, uh, freelance writer for NME, Pitchfork, various people. Hello. Yep. And we have Colm O'Regan uh, from Hot Press. Hi. Uh, is it, actually, I'm going to start here. Is it Colm or Cullum? It's Colm, but I really Cullum. don't care. This is, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's an argument that I've came up with my friends recently. Is it Colm or Cullum? Apparently it we changes get to different parts of the country. But yeah. Wait, the argument came up about him specifically? No, the no everybody knows a Colm or a Cullum. Okay, right. Yeah. Oh, so you're not the Cullum from Twitter? 
I, I'm a column from Twitter. I don't, I, I, I don't think I am the one. No, no. you're not the column. Get there's out. a comedian <laughs> called Colm O'Regan uh, for, with whom I've actually been mistaken once. Oh, really? And uh, almost had to do a live interview on Loath Me's radio where they thought <laughs> I was comedian oh. Colm O'Regan. That was fun. Uh, yeah. LMFM. Yeah, yeah, precisely. I, uh, my, my hometown glory radio station yeah. that fired me on transition year work experience. You got fired on work experience. Yeah, Explain yeah. what did you do? I was stitched up like a fucking kipper. Uh, I had a very very unglamorous job. I was about sixteen, like, and I had to go go through all these VHS uh, tapes of audio, and I had to find a specific thing, like a link or a quiz or something. And I went through all these tapes. It was like a weird, awful low rent version of the conversation, and it was just terrible. And basically, I couldn't find it. And then the guy was like, yeah, no problem. And then over the weekend, they were like, don't come in Monday. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. the bollocking that I received from the head of transition year was so severe that my friends who were in classrooms on the other floor of the building were like saying that they heard it. No way. I've never been shouted at before or since of that level. It was wow. genuinely That's a good terrifying. record, though, Tony. You yeah. shouted at once in your life. Oh, no, I've been shouted at. But like, yeah. this, this was like paint stripping off walls yeah. shouting. And yeah. It's also up. a good record to be fired from work experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was yeah. very rare. It was the first time it ever happened in the history of the school <laughs> and with my father as a teacher in the school wow. wasn't beloved yeah, yeah my dad taught me for two years he was my year head as well so that that was fun time standing yeah. up in his classroom when I, did, when I didn't have my homework done um, <laughs> being thrown out of his class shout out to my dad who'll never hear this <laughs> Mr. Hanratty proud father <laughs> Uh, so this is, I suppose, the uh, the end of year music roundup for 2015, and the way I've structured this is it's lots of things versus things, right? Ooh. So I'm going to say the thing that's versus the thing, and then whoever has an interest in the subject can talk about it, right? Well, I should I should jump out, jump in, and say that we are getting the holiday spirit and have a table full of alcoholic yeah. beverages so frankly so, I don't know if it goes... matters how you've structured this album yeah. no. this is just going to go there's going to be a lot of shouting in about 10 minutes time <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> so uh, yeah so Dave this might this right might get wor- uh, worse and worse as time goes on but um, or better and better yeah, if you open a can you have to do it in front of the mic yeah, yeah, man. yeah okay. <laughs> there's a bottle of Prosecco as well which yeah I can't wait to pop that bitch <laughs> <laughs> okay, take us away. Home. Okay, well, let's start with Beck versus Kanye West. Ooh. Oh, God. I yeah. forgot that that was even this year. Yeah, yeah. it was this year. So, uh, Beck won Album of the Year, I believe, at the Grammys. Yeah. And Kanye wasn't too happy. Is so he I've, ever happy, though? Yeah, that's, I don't know. That's the root of... Well, let's start there. Is Kanye West ever happy? <laughs> it's my main concern, I know, day mm. in, day out. Um, he couldn't be in this terrible world that we have created for ourselves. <laughs> and he's just an artist that needs to push boundaries. But we keep restricting him and putting him in a box. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so... But yeah, but then again, uh, Beck has worked with... Is it Greg Kirsten this year? So he's really going to this, like incredible pop route like Greg Kirsten would write for like Sia and Kelly Clarkson writes bangers like he wrote um, Makes You Stronger by Kelly Clarkson great song but for Beck not a great way to go so maybe maybe Kanye is preempting the bullshit that Beck is about to release Beck has a knack of kind of twisting everything to actually be productive in the end like that he can actually bring out a book of sheet music (laughs) and it somehow sounds alright by the time he gets around to recording it and (laughs) gets down to actually finishing the project so Mm. I wouldn't write it off quite yet and also, just to come back, is Kanye ever happy? I don't think he could ever be that arrogant without 
just smiling your way to sleep every night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, do you reckon he just laughs himself to sleep every night? Oh, yeah. Just thinking, oh, it's just a big joke in the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is certainly an, a certain level of that. I mean, you know, one of the moments, obviously, was when he made his uh, bid for presidency <laughs> at the end of that incredible <laughs> rambling speech. And there's only two <coughs> options. Either he cried himself to sleep and went, oh, my God, what did I do? Or he laughed himself to sleep because he somehow... You know, created this absolute storm out of really just a, a rambling speech. Being a little nothing. bit stoned yeah. on stage, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a there's a, a genius in his music, obviously, but there's also a genius in the fact that he didn't release any almost any new music this year, and he's first up on our best of 2015 yeah. Yeah. music podcast. So man. Uh, he has a knack of making it always was about he, himself. Was he just 2014? 2013. 2013. No yeah. Way. Two yeah, years yeah. Ago. Two years ago. He's really yeah. He's he dribbled out a few. Song what things. was the name? Swizz? No. Oh, Swish. 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 Yeah. Should have called um, Swizz. Yeah. Which was supposed to be out in like May, and then it never happened. And yeah. now it's like, where is he gone? Is, is he going to bother? Like, and even the stuff he has released has been okay. Nothing incredible. Like his runners. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> kind of for the first time, he's looking. Seems to be looking backwards. As opposed to looking forwards, because he's been doing a kind of performing uh, 808 and Heartbreak live in oh, its entirety. Yeah. So he's kind of been fiddling around with some some different things rather than so. It's yeah. like, is, is, song, is Kenny going to throw up a brick? The song he produced on the Weekends album was it All My Friends? Tell, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Yeah, yeah like that's pretty classic. Like, it's awesome, like, but that's a very very overused sample. Like it, it's been on a bunch of stuff. It's great. Like it's fucking mm. cool. And I think apparently it was supposed to be for him, but he just gave it to the Weekend. And it's yeah, it's 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 one, it's one of the best songs of the year, I think. Yeah. I love that album though. Some people don't. <laughs> Not um, to go full Yoko either, but uh, <laughs> please. But 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 his personal life and family life is starting to if not quite overshadow his musical production, then at least play a part that's certainly far more significant than stuff he was doing offstage did, you know, up until, say, two or three years ago. So whether or not that continues to distract him a bit, continues to take some of his focus where it didn't before, I think but that he's also, have something he's to do never um, always been fully invested in music anyway. I mean, I think before he before he did uh, My Beautiful Dark Twist Fantasy, he did he worked an internship in like Fendi or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, he, I mean, he's always had he's these He's a kind designer of al- first and foremost. Yeah. <laughs> he's always had these alternate interests. Um, but he also has to follow up like Watch the Throne and Jesus, which is like difficult. Yeah. Like, they're like two astounding albums from like the last, what, five years? Yeah, yeah. because it is, there is this kind of, um, it's almost like, I, I would kind of liken it to the, the, the Harry Potter movies where every, every, every director who came into the Harry Potter series decided he wanted to make the way, the way he was going to put his mark on it was to make it darker <laughs> like, and if they kept making those movies we, we just would have had a black screen by the end of it <laughs> but uh, like it, it was kind of almost the same thing where Jesus was was so dark where do you where do you push the boundaries next you know well, the thing is like, I think I mentioned on the podcast before a friend of mine has a theory that he's going to basically do a John Lennon now because he's happy and just release saccharine nonsense for the next record like it won't have any of the power any, any of the pulse any of the anger I don't necessarily agree with that but I do think that it's a worrying shift in his life like hey if he's happy awesome cool happy that he's happy but like he's at his best when he's really fucking pissed off I think he seemed pretty happy on Watch the Throne the two of them were just like look how loaded we are (laughs) it was like the really like stern dad Jay-Z and then the really hyper kid who had too many skittles on stage like cool and crazy was anyone here at that gig I went two nights in a row oh my god that was how good the first night was I wasn't at it and I kind of feel like I really really missed out on something yeah I'm really disappointed it was unbelievable like just the 
even they didn't even have to do anything on stage just the production alone like this cube raised from the middle of the crowd and it had this like just shark attacks and like gazelles running across the Sahara or whatever there was somewhere <laughs> um, but it was just incredible and everything that they put into it they like vibed so well off each other as well that you'd wonder like they could have both just retired immediately after that because like it was just fantastic yeah, it was actually a bit of the inverse of then his Glastonbury show, which was based really on kind of minimalism and just the kind of one man with the mic mm. um, and was, just some lights. The lights were incredible. I was just going to say, what did you think of Glastonbury? First half an hour was fucking brilliant. It gets a bit meandering and it has a lopsided finish, but I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as people were saying. Granted, I'm a fucking huge mm. fan, but like he tried something different and yeah, not but, everything hit, but like when it works, I mean, it's unreal. I was actually there, um, and, <laughs> and, um, but I cannot, yeah, it, there did seem to be breaks, which you don't feel so much when you're there present, which maybe don't work so much on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but even at the Marley Park gig last year, like he stopped, like he stopped the gig so many times because he thought the DJ was off by a second yeah, or yeah. that, and then he'd storm off stage and come back on. Really? Like Christ. it was like we were laughing at it, but you're like, calm down. Like this is what happens when you're performing live; yeah. things will go wrong. So just like take it, like take it. That gig was a mess, though. I mean, like yeah. I, I from from the opening time was announced, I was like, it's not going to work. I was like, it's during the summer; it's outdoors. The fucking original Rude Boys are on the bill. Like, <laughs> this is weird and I but I was just like he comes out to Black Skinhead like and you know he's got, he got the, the red screens he's wearing the mask and I'm like this would be incredible if it was in like the Olympia or the 3 Arena or something like that it just doesn't work mm. on an outdoor stage well of course but that's the thing I mean like festival performance is an art unto itself yeah. and what's more you had it illustrated especially I think was it the night before or two nights before I think it was the night before where Florence and the Machine and by no means am I comparing Florence and the Machine to Kanye are saying that she's anywhere near the same level but she nailed the idea of a Glastonbury main stage show. Mm. This is it. Like she, she did the Friday and I think for her, she looked at this as maybe the biggest night of her career and she kind of grasped it. And I'm, I'm not a huge Florence fan either. Um, but and anything, kind of, she, she pushed through just through sheer energy and will. Whereas Kanye came out the night after um, ill-prepared <laughs> you know, like, um, say there was kind of you know there was a lot of gaps in the set he tried a uh, I think he tried to perform uh, Hold My Liquor when he abandoned it in the end um, but yeah, to him I mean he, he doesn't he just doesn't envision Glastonbury as being his his calling or his or like you know the biggest night of his career yeah, so I think, I think I, you just have to kind of there's a certain that. amount of a mistake to that though because I mean I remember straight away I was talking to Dave in fact about Jay-Z's set mm. a number of years ago where he got it. Yeah, and, it and again, brilliant. I mean, like, you know, that wasn't going to be, you know, the redefining moment or the defining moment in Jay-Z's career. Glastonbury isn't really his thing. But as a one-off performance, which yeah. it's always going to be, headlining the pyramid stage, he mm. really embraced it. And yeah, I thought he nailed it. Yeah. Well, he'd and probably be a, mo- a bit more centred than yeah. Kanye West, where you could like, actually just like Google Glastonbury and be like, ah, <laughs> this is a really important event to yeah. some people. <laughs> like even compared to like Beyonce's performance as well, like they fucking took it on board. And then like Beyonce kind of tagged into the whole like, because it's like a rock festival then she did Alanis Morissette and then shot Alanis back into the charts as a result so it was just they're all just like throwing nods to what people want from a festival instead of making it a little ego vanity project I think it is I think I think the arrogance and kind of egoness of this year's his performance at Glastonbury is to the detriment of the audience it's just it just looked so like it was all for him I kind the of whole agree. Thing I, was for him. I agree with you to an extent. I think that's probably a reaction of having ten years where 
you've come to the realisation you can't be all things to all men you're going to be criticised no matter what record you bring out no matter what songs you do no matter what direction your career takes and he's probably taken that on board so much that you can't switch it off for one night and try to be all things for all men because it's Glastonbury and there's a hundred thousand people out there. Yeah. I also pretty... think he makes the music he wants to make for himself as well. <clears throat> he doesn't. I don't think he aims his music at anybody in particular. And he's that... also pretty liberal with showing how he unravels as well. Like Joe, <laughs> we've seen every single one of his breakdowns on an MTV stage. <laughs> so, yeah. like, yeah, we're going to see every aspect of his life and the yeah. fact that he is married into the Kardashians now is. Which brings us full circle back to that question of Beck versus Kanye and Kanye storming the stage I mean obviously everyone pointed out with glee afterwards that Kanye was criticising a guy who played every instrument on his album yeah <laughs> yeah like for entertainment it was okay but like that is utterly unreasonable for yeah, Kanye not even just to storm the stage but to even question Beck as an artist yeah. right? he's probably never even heard of Beck well, before so that's yeah. which yeah. actually brings us on to our second little competition of just to shout out Beck oh, I did like his song Dreams which was the only song he released this year as well so I think it's great. I think it's great until the last until like there's it's five minutes long. If it was three minutes long, I think I'd like it a lot more. It hits a point where I'm like, oh, okay, there's more of this. Okay, I mean, it's very, 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 very good. But at the same time, it's a bit, it's a bit bloated. You would have to argue a little bit just on you know. I'm not the biggest Kanye fan, and when, actually, when you asked that, when you said Kanye versus Beck, first thing I thought was one's a complete dick, <laughs> <laughs> and the other's pretty cool guy. Yeah. But it's not. I think Kanye is like. He could say that I know he kept shouting at Glastonbury that he's the biggest rock star in the world. But mm-hmm. someone told him that along the he, way. He, and he he's probably, like, yes, he kind of is. <laughs> yeah, he one is. of the last kind of rock stars. Well, we're always talking about him. He like, is. but like just maniacs that are just out there. Like you know, you don't have the kind of you know the crazy carry on that you used to have, like the whole Zeppelin days and all that kind of stuff. Like he's just out there, just being a total lunatic. And to be know? fair, he went to Tullamore on his honeymoon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they left I, early I, I don't think they he get any more rock and roll. Than that. <laughs> Didn't they go to the yeah. cinema when they were there? You went to the yeah. cinema in Portlaoise. Quite, quite fantastic. Yeah. My favourite thing about this is that I'm from Cork, where he was for a day or two during that honeymoon, and people had, as you do now, started tweeting, oh, you know, just saw Kanye down Spar buying some breakfast rolls, or whatever, right? <laughs> On ease, like Hollywood Report or whatever, they started talking about how, KC's, or how Kanye and Kim popped to KC's in Douglas, which is like this chipper that we always go to. They're making a Got a chicken fillet roll. Yeah, no, an absolutely amazing, like, King Creole chicken wrap. And, yeah, they reported this on American television. Yeah. So... Yeah. I suppose when your entire life is like a big crazy honeymoon holiday like for your honeymoon you may just go to Tullamore yeah. keep it real in Tullamore exactly mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, I remember and, time, and as a core uh, person when your entire life is trying to get KC's on an international map <laughs> <Finally>. <laughs> it's kind of a marriage of two perfect things right there yeah. remember remember Tremendous. Bottles yeah. in the club. Okay, that's, right. <laughs> that's a good way to punctuate the so, end of that yeah, topic. Wait, do, do, we Next decide, segment, do, do we have to decide who won in no, this No, no, no. Okay. It's just a way of talking about one, Kanye won even yeah. if no one decided. One very, 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 okay. very, very, one final thing on the Kanye West thing, and this literally will be the final thing. Uh, opening up that Glastonbury set with the lyrics from Stronger, um, I thought was fucking unreal. Coming in the wake of the whole petition thing, and you know that which won't kill me can only make me stronger. I thought that, was, and then like the primal, the primal scream he yelled out after doing that. I thought that was just that's art, that's amazing, that's yeah. emotion, and like that's the purity of what he can do. Right. But, and then of course it became a bit of a meandering show. But hey, man, that's Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> so Kanye won. 
I think so. Yeah. Okay. All day was a very good okay, song. Okay, so we're picking winners. Dreams is a good song. Yeah, yeah we'll pick winners. Fuck it, Kanye okay. wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, then the second one, which Unanimous. I was going to skip over, but I'm going to say it now, is Shirley Manson versus Kanye because she threw her hat into the ring. Remember that and wrote an open letter. To oh, Shirley. Yeah. yeah. So we'll just say Kanye won again. Will we? Um, <laughs> yeah. You'll, you'll, fi- you'll find, and and this is a general rule in life. If there's any kids listening here, if you need to write an open letter that you can't aim at somebody in particular. You're probably not making a good enough point. <laughs> well, who was the other had the big? Was it Sinead O'Connor and Miley to Miley Cyrus? Cyrus. Well, yeah. That was the year before. <coughs> that yeah. went back and forth. Yeah, 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 yeah. there was a lot and of then that. Amanda um, Palmer, my buddy, weighed in. Um, mm-hmm. remember, remember Amanda Palmer tweeted about me. Not yeah, happy. I do. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. tweeted about you. She did. Yeah. I just read an open letter to No, I interviewed her a couple of years ago, and basically, Craig Fitzpatrick, who was originally supposed to be on this podcast, I'm going I'm to bury you now, buddy. Um, he, he's actually just left off press. He's actually also. just left off so press. So feel free. Yeah. Yeah. I would have defended um, him before, and I'd have gone, now, dead to me. Myself you know. and Craig were having a few cans in uh, the grounds of Trinity College, as you do during the mm. summer, and I was like, oh, I'm interviewing Amanda Palmer tomorrow. And he was like, oh, that'll be interesting because everyone hates her now. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it should be. So, about five or six questions in, I said, hey, Amanda. I was, it was phone her and it was like she was she was getting out of a cab at one point and it was you know she was a bit distracted and I was like you know opened up with a few questions and I was like hey Amanda I was like um, I told a colleague of mine that I'd be interviewing today and he said um, oh, that'd be oh, interesting Jesus. because everyone hates you know and then Dave. I went that's a very flipping statement but given the controversy that has kind of arisen recently you know the backlash you've received from musicians for the Kickstarter thing and obviously the poem you wrote about the Boston bomber is there anything in that you know do you kind of feel like it's a fair way of looking at things <laughs> and you know to to give the woman a lot of credit she didn't hang up the phone. <laughs> uh, she kind of reflected, she kind of went like, you know, she was a, bit, a little bit terse, just a little bit, and but had a very kind of diplomatic answer. And then later on, I asked her about, you know, I was like, oh, is it, you know, is it good to see Zach Braff stealing your Kickstarter thunder? And she was like, no, because that's what separates me from all the haters. And I was like, oh God, whatever. But at the same time, over the crux of the whole thing, I swear to God, if you read the transcript, it genuinely was uh, a fairly fine back and forth. I think it had it been in person, that that question would have been, you know, a lot more... A lot less kind of, you know, I guess personal to her. And I think that, you know, I could have phrased it better, but fuck it, it's a hard question. And I thought she answered it very well. Nonetheless, I wasn't on Twitter at the time and I hung up the phone, yada, yada, yada. And I just kind of had this feeling and I checked her Twitter and sure enough, there's two tweets and they started off by saying, dear Irish journalist, maybe don't begin your interview uh, by telling me how much everyone hates me and asking me how I feel about that. Oh, and then of course all the comments were like, who, who did this? We love you. You're amazing. Oh my God, let's get him. And then the second tweet was, uh, to be fair, he was just saying what another musician had said. But that just made it hurt so much more. Oh. And I was like, get the fuck out of town. Look at what you've done, Craig. Yeah. Look at what you've done. <laughs> I love how you checked Twitter because you had a feeling. I had a feeling. <laughs> but I did have a feeling. I was like, you know, she's a very outspoken person. And I don't mm. think she really appreciated that question. Maybe she, oh yeah, there you go. I'm glad I wasn't on Twitter at the time because I probably would have been buried. I was, I was just about to jump in with like some deep philosophical thing of like, you know, we used to have feelings. Now we just have notifications. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> So Amanda yeah, Palmer wins dark. in the bout of... Amanda Palmer won in the yeah. bout of me versus Amanda Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hands down. Uh, next up, we have Tom Petty versus Sam Smith. Wow. What? This one was so weird, okay? And like, I have to say that Sam Smith won. So basically, we're talking about um, that Stay With Me song, which was basically copying or well, taking well, music from or lifting yeah. from. Yeah, went back down. And... They literally passed judgment on it that yes, he owed Tom Petty a large amount of the royalties for the song. And three days later, that song won Grammy 
for the song of the year. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Uh, Who's voting for these Grammys that they sit there and go, right, so this dude stole a song. But like, we'll give him credit. He stole well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> this was something good to steal. Gotta, gotta give him an award yeah. for that. That was absolutely insane. Do you think, do, do, do the votes go in like a week in advance or something? Oh, well, or? Like, I, oh well, yeah, no, I presume they do. But at the same time... You could change it. Yeah, the, yeah. it would very easily be done. But also, that they call a bit of a crisis a, meeting. It's a blatant... Re- he was like, oh, I've never heard that song before. The second like, you heard it. Yeah. It was like, that's one back then. Yeah. 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 Same thing with uh, The Flaming Lips. They've got a song called, uh, I think it's Fight Test. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's it's um, Father and Son or the Cat Stevens Use of Islam song like it's the yeah. exact same yeah. it's nuts it's just like it's, it's like Tata was bright and then, like, and then all of a sudden it's like and he, I think Wayne Coyne was like oh shit I didn't realise and he obviously had to pay out but he claims he didn't realise there's another one where like Nine Inch Nails Trent Reznor Trent Reznor and David Bowie are fucking mates like they've influenced each other they've done a song together but there's a track on there's a track I think it's called A Warm Place on Nine Inch Nails record and it's complete lift of a Bowie track from like the 70s that wasn't I think it was a little bit obscure and Trent Reznor like put it out put it on the record and then realised and was like oh fuck he was like I must have just been listening to that album and I didn't mean to do it and Bowie was like that's fine you know he didn't mean it it's grand Like, so it is kind of one of those things where like I appreciate it can happen but that melody that Tom Petty melody is so distinctive and I don't believe that Sam Smith never heard this song. No, I can believe to a certain extent that he didn't believe, or that he hadn't heard it. might have known it. who Tom Petty was and who that song was by. Yeah. Like you'd hear that song, but yeah. forget. Mm. Well, like, yeah. You can't forget it because it's amazing. But like, <laughs> I, 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 I believe that like, you know, he might have noticed it or, or you know, mightn't have put two and two together, as it were. Um, I just think the way in which Sam Smith managed to ride the wave of success with this yeah. song, despite... Mm. Mm. This actually arising afterwards was just, yeah, it was slightly strange. Yeah, Tom Petty's bank account won, but also Sam Smith won because, you know, like he headlined Picnic this year. And, like, and got the Bond song. The Bond song, which is a dreadful. Yeah, it's a terrible Bond song. But he got a Bond song. Do you know, do you know quite, <laughs> a lot of you don't. Quite, 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 bizarrely, quite bizarrely, the only Bond song to ever go to number one in the UK. Really? Yeah. Whoa, this is man. true. The highest the Bond song yeah, ever like reached before was number Turner. two. Oh. Like some of these classics, like. Um, Carly Simon. Yeah, yeah, like um, like Goldfinger, like barely cracked the top Durand, thirty. Durand. I think Durand, Durand. Like beautiful that. is yeah. the best yeah. one without question. These were yeah, Shirley Bassett. Yeah, Shirley yeah, Bassett. Sh- 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 uh-huh. Shirley Bassett. Is she like some sort of licorice all sort? Um, <laughs> Sorry, uh, Shirley Bassett. <laughs> Shirley Bassett. Like that, you're not wrong. That's why I'm saying some of those classics like genuinely charted like number 36 or something like that so Skyfall the first ever to the no. top. Skyfall was at number 2 great song. that great won song. Great song. something that won like an Oscar for best it did win an Oscar oh yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah. something else yeah. came and out that awards. week something huge came out that week but is that not like the culture that we're living in Sam Smith has lots of young fans downloads etc is that not like does it mean anything and that's why he wins Grammys oh no oh no yeah. oh god no it doesn't yeah. it doesn't mean a lot at all although frankly it does show you that if Adele peaks at number two mm. and Skyfall. Adele of all people yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll get to that who, who you know can sell and I presume yes we will get mm. to that yeah, yeah it, it just shows Adele you, versus the world you know, <laughs> it's a heck of a list for, for, for Sam Smith to, to top I don't know if he like purposely stole it though it could have been like it's one, it is one of those things did you see the testimonies with Pharrell Williams kind of yeah. for, with Blurred Lines and they're like it's 
so horrible to watch because they're like can you go through the chord arrangement of that song he's like I couldn't I couldn't possibly I couldn't yeah. possibly do that yeah. and then they're just ex- asking him to explain kind of blues music and blues gra- bluegrass music and he's like do you understand music I can't I, could, I can't say that to you if you don't understand and they're like just answer the damn question yeah. have you heard this Marvin Gaye song before <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's awful it's, it's weird to, to, to be lo- fair. like a lawyer talk to like an accomplished musician yeah. like explain how you wrote that song like, like legally yeah you know? although yeah. even that was like you know Ten times less awkward than the Robin Thicke desperation, where he basically went, "I had nothing to do with this action." Sorry, it's all Pharrell in Ti. I guess. should have pinned it on Ti. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's a great quote that it's uh, what is it? Good artists borrow, great artists steal. And I've seen a quote. I've seen it by both Ernest Hemingway and Pablo Picasso. Yeah. So all art is theft, basically. And Shirley Bassett, yeah. Yeah. Huh? And Shirley Bassett, Bassett, Bassett yeah. who stole nearly a whole name from Shirley Bassett. Are, are you also <laughs> suggesting that Ernest Hemingway would have stolen that quote from Pablo Picasso? <laughs> <laughs> Which would be really ironic if someone got famous for that quote. Yeah. By the way, uh, it, it, his performance at Glastonbury was terrible. <laughs> Sam Smith, no, no Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> for any, uh, if Sam Smith's lawyers or the the Hemingway or Picasso estate are listening, <laughs> we don't don't actually mean it everyone's original it's fine you know yeah. it's well, there's so much stuff like why is it an issue though either because songs i know that this it's is true, like a big yeah. just you were all influenced by something somehow like yeah. so you can't just erase all previous music love and knowledge when you're writing a new song because yeah. you're gonna be like that's a nice chord arrangement i might just shake that up a little yeah mm-hmm. and then also like if that was the case like lady gaga would be ruined by madonna and you'd have yeah. you'd have no new artists who were influenced by someone at any stage yeah, yeah. But there's you know being influenced and there's taking influence so there's nicking melody which probably yeah. happened here although did you see the uh the guy who sued Taylor Swift because he claimed that he, yeah. he came up with the expression haters gonna hate and more, <laughs> and more to the point did you see the judge's decision afterwards no the judge had managed to crowbar an obscene amount of Taylor Swift lyrics and songs oh, yeah, into yeah, the yeah. written judgment itself <laughs> really? it was a masterful piece of work still however only second on the list of incredible things that lawyers have managed to do for their pop star uh, clients which is where uh, Kesha's representative now Kesha has basically kind of taken issue with her record uh, oh. company who said that you know basically she has to do her next album with Dr. Luke she accuses Dr. Luke of having abused mm. her and so wants to be released not even from the contract but just so that she can do it with somebody or else, someone else yeah. and Kesha's lawyers have brought this to the court including a line where Kesha needs to be freed from the contract otherwise her career will tick tock into oblivion <laughs> Which is incredible. <laughs> and it's such a serious, like, lawsuit that's going on. And, yeah. And yeah, okay, there's the guy who, uh, you know, is making fun of your man. And then there's this guy who Kesh is accusing... Of sexually abusing of sex her for years. Sexual yeah. abuse, and it's probably a little bit inappropriate. Yeah. Absolutely. And you've got to assume as well that, like, we're not talking about, like, you know, like, she's not going to your sort of better call Saul type of lawyer but, but down it's, the it's corner, like, you know? she is. Like, I mean, like, no, I, I think she, this guy would put on some shades when he said that. No, <laughs> presumably she's going to, like, this high-powered, like, I don't even think she has and, like, money, though. Like, this, it's really, she's in a, like, horrible situation. She hasn't been able to release her own music for, like, the last two years or something. Jesus. And she can't write with anyone. She can't, like, she can't do anything. She can't even play gigs to get money. So she, and she had to, she was in, like, rehab for a while because she had, like, huge eating disorders and a breakdown after all these, like, accusations and that. And so she hasn't been able to work at all and maybe not hasn't even gotten her money because she hasn't fulfilled her contract with the label either. So she's probably like, anyway, <coughs> having a terrible time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I and then the lawyer's just piling it on. Making a big joke out of it. Yeah. I, I had to look up that judge's, uh, <laughs> that Taylor Swift judging, judge ruling. 
uh, where is it? U.S. District Court Judge Gail Standish took the opportunity to show off her knowledge of Swift's repertoire. While throwing out the suit, Standish invoked lyrics from Swift's other hits, including We're Never Ever Getting Back Together, <laughs> Blank Space and Bad Blood. At present, the court is not saying, this in inverted commas, at present, the court is not saying that Brown can never, ever, ever get his case back in court. <laughs> but for now, we've got problems. And the court is not sure Brown can solve them. Standish concluded, at least for the moment, defendants have shaken off the lawsuit. <laughs> What's going on? Legend. <laughs> what the fuck? What's happening on is Taylor Swift is taking over the world. Yeah. <laughs> the the, well, the law profession. An eye for one, they, an eye for one welcome our Swiftian overlord. It's for their social media profile. They're like, check out all the retweets. I'll get on this. <laughs> that, uh, that, so, okay, we'll say Tom Petty's bank account and Sam Smith's career won those rounds. Mm, yeah, and that brings fine. us nicely on to Taylor versus Apple. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I've kind of exhausted myself on this well, one. This is a, it's a mutual victory, isn't it? I think... Basically, they both got what they wanted. Sure. Mm. Taylor Swift looks like woman of the people. Apple have their sort of, you know, I mean, finally they had to pay for the three months, but what did that actually take out of their bank <laughs> accounts? They got the, you know, decent press from backing down, and obviously that it's going to work for them. So, yeah, everyone's happy, I think. Are we all in agreement, though, that, like, the Taylor Swift whole thing was, like, a fucking massive publicity stunt and totally oh, yeah. see-through? Well, that's and, like, her career, though. Everything is just... She, oh, she doesn't just do things on a whim. It's... Oh, no, no, no. But, hang on. I think, what is Dave saying... Are you saying that Apple approached her beforehand and said, well, let's play this out? Or do you mean... I think that that may have happened. Really? But I, I think the whole notion of her as this kind of independent music warrior is bollocks. And people were like, oh, fair play to her. And I was like, no, she's looking out for her own interest, which is totally fine. No problem, but I think that this notion of her being hailed as some kind of hero, which she was by a lot of people, and not just like the fans. Like lots, lots of music journalists being like, "Fair play, Taylor, we need more of this." And I'm like, uh, "Read between the lines here, lads." I agree with it. At a, I agree with that at a certain level. I just question whether or not doing it while noting how it's going to benefit your own career. I mean, the two don't have to be mutually exclusive. I don't think this would have necessarily had to be a selfless act to say, "Fair play, she actually took the right side on this one." I have though the reason why I jumped in yeah I saw people suggesting that yeah like this is a big conspiracy basically which I don't buy for a second hmm. um, How, like that would have been much worse if they approached her oh, and yeah. she said no and that came out yeah it would have been that ridiculous. would have been terrible so wouldn't but, shock me though it, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me but no I think I think it would have been a bit too much I am disappointed though that neither Cullum nor Louise are wearing their light up Taylor Swift you know bands. what you know what I, ch- I could get it I, I, I checked it the other day and my battery's battery gone, gone? Yeah. I can get someone to fix that for you okay yeah. well, let's, let's talk afterwards yeah. <laughs> I was impressed by the One Direction poster in the bathroom yeah. oh, yeah, did you see the JLS poster as well no I did, yeah. missed it it's the little boys room I'll have to go later on <laughs> It's a pop treasure trove house. Um, I, you know, uh, you've gone on record, Cullen, as that being an amazing show. Louise, you were also impressed by the Taylor Swift. Um, it was incredible, but it felt a little bit heartless, which was what I thought. Like it was so very much going through all of. Well, you can say this about everyone, but like I would say that at a Blur concert, which is they are at this stage just going through the total motions, but with Taylor Swift to be going through the motions, but with this like multi-million production thing behind her. Um, you're just kind of like, where, where, where's the fun in it gone? Like even every little move, every little flick of the wrist. <laughs> and that it was just so performed and rehearsed that you just kind of wonder at what point does she stop being the performer uh, and stop being, yeah. or begin being a real human. It's, yeah. She's just too... She might as well be that, um, that you know, that Japanese cartoon. The, what's the, you know, the, the pop star in Japan that's just a cartoon. All oh, right. Have you ever seen it? It's oh, a yeah. CGI cartoon and she's sounds. massive. What? She's one of the biggest pop stars in Japan. Yeah. And it's not like, like gorillas that has like Damon Albarn behind it. It's just 
it's just this thing. Like the thing with Taylor is I actually think she's too perfect. Whereas like Kanye is like a walking mess. Um, but the two of them are still managing to re- like release great songs, great albums, change the mm. music industry bit by bit. And we're just so freaked out that we're just like, how does this work? How can you be like a total mess? And then this like perfect thing and still manage to have the time mm. <laughs> to, you, to do are these you, things. Uh, are you team Taylor? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was disappointed in uh, in the last album because it was so kind of hyped. I was kind of like, fuck, this is going to be fucking thriller, man. This is going to be amazing. And I did like shake it off. And then the album came out and it was a bit of a disappointment. So, but Out I, of the woods is a I jam. I think she's though. a nice person. <laughs> oh, you, you she seems like an incredible person. And can I jump in here with our year in review and talk about my most disappointing moment sure, of 2015? Man. Let's do it. I was at Taylor Swift's second. Oh, no, this, is, this is awesome. <laughs> okay, and I was, I was there with... Uh, Catherine, our, our photographer in Hot Press and very good friend of mine, who noticed that behind us there was a woman who was struggling to lift up a kid to be able to see the stage. We were back a little bit. And Catherine said, you know, would you put the small girl on your shoulders? And I was like, yeah, no problem. You know, maybe you ask the mother. Rather than <laughs> yeah. just going, Can I put your kid on my shoulders? <laughs> Catherine asked, your woman was like, yeah, absolutely. You know, it'd be great. So I put the kid up on my shoulders for a song, you know, dance, had a bit of fun, took her off. About 10 minutes later, Again, couldn't see properly, saw the woman lifting her up. So I said, do you want to go back on my shoulders? Yeah, absolutely. Back up. At which point I see a woman from the sound desk waving frantically and telling me to put the kid down. Uh, and off I'm your like, shoulders, not yeah. dead. And I, I'm put like, the kid down. Waving at me. And obviously I'm just assuming it's security telling yeah. me to put the kid down. And as I do, I can see calling, being called over. And I'm like, all right, they're not going to kick someone out for this. This is ridiculous ridiculous like and so i walked over with the child and with the child's grandmother where and yeah it turns out grandmother where presumably the security is going to be like can't do that and i'd say oh sorry that was completely my idea don't take it out on them and as i got closer i realized it's taylor swift's mum. <gasps> whoa <laughs> where they do this thing where they take fans who are getting all excited at the gig basically and they take them into a special area to watch the oh, show yeah. and then take them all backstage afterwards to meet Taylor and to have like soda and cookies and you know yeah that Taylor sort time. of thing and in walks the kid and in walks the grandmother and I'm standing there with nothing but <laughs> like a, a pair of spare sore shoulders like to show for myself oh, yeah should have pushed the kid out of the way why didn't you say you were the dad the most uh, no, because then it would have got creepy. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that's international incident like waiting to happen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So yeah, the We're worst s- the worst moment of 2015 right there. Also, the whole thing the door closing your face with a like, star on the door. <laughs> it felt like it. <laughs> she is she is amazing to her fans. That's like one yeah. thing yeah, that like she definitely has that. The so whole he, argument is towards I suppose who is she aimed at? Like my niece was at that as well, and was ranting and raving about how amazing it was. Like that's who she's aimed at. Like and you know. They're not going to give too much of a shit of her opinion on Apple Music and stuff like that. But also, but yeah. that like that album though is like incredible. Like Out of the Woods is like one of the greatest. Oh, this released last year. Oh, yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah. the year before. Yeah, but um, Style was a single this year. Can't yeah, talk so about it. We can't talk. No, I think it's a great record. I think as well the one thing that is it, it kind of you know making people a little bit awkward is yeah just how smiley she is, just how perfect she is, mm. just how happy she seems to be all the time. <laughs> how I, dare you be happy? I, no, I can say having spent like over two years 
years of my life having dated American girls. That's a real thing. That can exist. That's yeah. not necessarily done by a production company <laughs> and media consultants. The way that you said that, two years of your life dating American girls, sounds like it was some kind of weird subculture <laughs> that you were trying to get into. It's part of a documentary that's going to be released in 2016. Yeah. Well, there was actually, there was a great documentary on BBC Three the other night. It was Charlie XCX yeah. had, um, it was called The F Word. The F Word, yeah. And it's all about feminism in pop, in pop music. And she was saying, just the, um, she was talking with Jack Ant- Antonoff from Fun, who would have co-written a lot of songs with Taylor Swift. And he's like, every time I was interviewed, people were like, now, did Taylor really write those songs? Did she now? <laughs> and like, she's an incredible musician. Like, she plays everything. And then mm. if you watch any of the making, like the making of 1989 videos, which I have, um, <laughs> like she's there. They're all just like creating all of these songs, just like most songs were recorded in one take as a demo like no messing around mm. they just knew immediately which, which musical direction they're going to take and she's there creating all these different sounds not just just you, you can see that she's a really creative person right. and then for some reason she's always just like whittled down to just being a pop star but she's like an incredible musician really good songwriter like incredible songwriter and um yeah and then we're just really quick to just be like ugh here's the happy fucker again mm. like <laughs> I know I, I was slagging her off earlier on but like you can't detract from how brilliant she actually yeah. is but it's just the hype that surrounds her is exhausting I mean, if people like those uh, acoustic Ryan Adams covers they should just listen to her first couple of country albums yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah mansplaining that yeah. the album was yeah. go, go, going back to the Apple music thing and it was funny because someone the other day kind of talked to me about you know like the, the big moments of 2015 in music and it's too early to judge yet but could Apple music beat one all this sort of stuff be you know, a turning point in the same way that iPad, iTunes, mm. that sort of probably. I mean, like, look at like you know stuff like Compton being issued exclusively. Like, that's a massive name, and obviously, you know, Dr. Dre works for them, so it's mm. fine. But like, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's like it's. But but then again, why does something like Tidal crash and burn? And something like Apple. It was just like another streaming service was tight. Like I would listen to Beats One a lot. I'm not. I don't. I'm not subscribed to like Apple Music, but I can get Beats One just on my through my iTunes account and it's great it's like a really great way to just tune into really specialised radio DJs playing loads of music from all over the world that you wouldn't necessarily know to look up mm-hmm. so it's it's a great education and they're giving it to us really easily like we're mm. not we don't have to do much to learn about music when yeah. you use um, Apple Music and they've so. got kind of cool people like at the helm like Trent Reznor and Ezra Koenig from Vampire mm. Weekend and Run the Jewels getting their own Same shows yeah. kind of yeah. I wouldn't call him a cool person <laughs> well he knows what he's he, does, he definitely knows what he's talking about yeah. Yeah. Ezra Koenig's shows are fucking I have heard him yeah. I love him though I think oh they're hilarious. brilliant uh, he's great on Twitter and his review of uh, Drake's album uh, a couple of years ago is the best piece of music journalism I've ever read in my entire life it should be said it's, as well it's hilarious that you know kind of like and as I say yeah I presume that Apple Music and Beats 1 and everything that that's going to grow over the next couple yeah. of years but you mentioned kind of you know Dre releasing exclusively on on um, through Apple for a little while Compton yeah. oh, Craig, about, uh, Craig, Craig Fitzpatrick who's not here his album of the year mm-hmm. you talk about you know guys were doing it with Tidal obviously because again they had a lot of artists involved mm. and obviously Taylor's stance against uh, Apple Music in the summer this seems to be the first year that artists have properly learned how to weaponize or how to use streaming services to their advantage mm. rather than it controlling them. It used to be a purely a consumer-driven thing. Now I think artists are learning, I can get involved here, I can call some shots. Adele's broken every record, at least in part because it's not being streamed from the start. They're learning 
yeah, we can actually make decisions here and and not just be, you know, complete patsies. But she mm. didn't have 21 on Spotify until a year after its release either. So like she, but she's such a unique example. Very few, like Beyonce couldn't even do that. Mm. Like Beyonce is, like I wouldn't, I like Beyonce. I might buy an album of hers from time to time, but I'm not going to sign up to Tidal just to hear her exclusive mm. things. Like it's just a whole... Enya, for example, <laughs> like Enya, could, Enya is still like what she's worth something like one hundred and thirty-six million euro, and well, her last album was like seven years ago. She doesn't do press, she doesn't do anything. Mm. Like there's just certain people that just could, sort of capture people, and you can't even explain it. Whether you like them or not, like Adele and Enya are not great examples for anyone at this table, mm. I don't think. But um, they just have some sort of pull over mm. people, and they they're not the ones who have to catch up with the music industry. The music industry is finding ways to kind of yeah. catch up with them. Yeah. Yeah, because th- that actually, all that talk. Let's call it a draw between Taylor and Apple. The next one is Tidal versus Apple versus Spotify because it, it kind of was the <laughs> three-way year, dance. Yeah, yeah. It kind of was the year of, of streaming services in a way. And 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 uh, Taylor Swift and Apple had this thing this year. But remember last year, Taylor Swift pulled out of Spotify altogether. Yeah. So I mean, I suppose who's going to win? Is there going to be three streaming services? Is one going to win? Like they came into this year, right? Spotify had the biggest user base as a streaming service Apple Music had Apple behind it and then Tidal had like you know Arcade Fire and Jay-Z and Jack White behind it and stuff mm-hmm. uh, and Rihanna so they all had what looked good but because there's three of them and they all had such good stuff there, will there be one winner or will there be more than one service Apple will win <laughs> I think probably <laughs> that's always the easy call yeah. isn't it I mean yeah. like yeah yeah. I think look Apple haven't been as big players just because this stuff takes time and Spotify is the very obvious sort of King right now is going to take a while to dethrone. I think Tidal had a heck of a go at trying to do it, but I think just got it completely wrong. Yeah. They spent all the money at the opening party. Yeah, <laughs> precisely, yeah. Um, I think stuff like exclusivity, I mean, you say you won't sign up to, to, to get a Beyonce album, and I suppose for one record, yeah, you're probably right. Can I just throw in, I actually did sign up to Tidal during the week, so that I could get, because <laughs> Rihanna is going to be releasing her first bit of tickets for her anti-tour through Tidal. So really? that, the, yes. yeah, but it's and only the free trial I will back out. <laughs> okay, very, very quickly, who signed up to which services? Yeah. I ha- only have Spotify. Just Spotify? Spotify premium. I only started paying for Spotify premium about right. two months ago, after years of having a free And account. free version of Tidal. Um, free version of title, and I just have Beats one on my phone just because okay. I have an Apple phone. Uh, Joshua Hughes, who writes for Headstuff Music, has an account on Spotify that I also use. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I'm a Spotify, but I think what sometimes gets forgotten is when we're going to choose who do you think is going to win is the one that works the best, not necessarily who has the most That's true. exclusivity. Yeah. Because even though I am with Spotify, um, and because in part I'm maybe too lazy to sign out of that and stop paying them and pay somebody else. Uh, I find the software isn't great um, mm. and it, in terms of reputation it doesn't have the reputation as, as Apple software yeah. it's supposed to be superior that's probably what I'd look for first if it's going to work correctly and be responsive um, and be easy to use rather than necessarily the who has the um, who has the best extras although I do like um, uh, in terms of ex- exclusivity I think wasn't it Prince who uh, you know he always he likes to use the internet is just his his own in joke. Uh, <laughs> he signed up for an exclu- exclusive deal. Was it with Apple? And then inexplicably released a Spotify only single after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He also. Uh, this was Prince who opened a Facebook Q and A 
and uh, answered one question, which was genuinely about wave frequencies. You'd love it. You, you would love it, Connor. The, the no answer was just a post. clue what he was talking about. It was literally like numbers of megahertz, wasn't it? But he didn't even answer. He posted a link and that was the answer. He didn't write any text oh, in this q and, and And that was it. Yeah. One question. He yeah. also uh, he also regularly declares that the internet Mick is dead, dropped. and yeah. he also gave away an album with the Daily Mail. One. Yes, oh god, yeah. that was like yeah. print streaming services. Print media is where where the future is. Apparently, <laughs> the I, I am sorted, lads. We can all agree on that. Yeah. Uh, Prince, Prince was releasing internet only albums in like the mid nineties, and then I think when Napster came, and then a lot of people started using internet for music. He was kind of I'm done with this. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to uh, Dave Grohl and um, Howard Stern and he was he was talking about how much of a huge Prince fan he is and that Prince one day he he was playing in the Staples Centre and he said, Dave was in LA and said oh why don't you come down before the show and we'll jam out or whatever and he said I was down there and we were both playing drums with him and his band and it was amazing it was like the most unbelievable kind of chemistry between us and you know I was really excited about tonight's show and then we finished the sound check and uh, then Prince just said to me cool I'll give you a call during the week. And I never heard from him again. <laughs> there's, um, there's a famous Kevin Smith story about shooting a documentary for Prince and how basically just how weird it all is. But like one of the kind of takeaways is that like Prince's assistant was like, uh, he was like, oh, when, what's the story with the documentary? He's like, when's it going to be released? And how, how does he want to distribute it? And his assistant was like, oh, he probably won't do anything with it. Like, and oh, yeah, he was like, what do you mean? That. And he's like, he's like, oh no, he probably just put it in the, in the vault. And they were like, <laughs> well, he's like, what do you mean the vault? And he goes, oh, Prince has a vault. And there's he's he's like uh, we have he's like you know we have these music great music videos, um, you know great albums and stuff. Um, and he's like oh I've never heard of these. He goes no of course he, he's, like, he's like these music videos have been made for songs that you're never going to hear. And apparently like you know money was spent. I think Kim Kardashian was in the Prince video that would never see the light of day. That's his whole thing, and it's like that's mental. But also it's not as uncommon as you might think because I mean like Zach De La Rocca of Rage Against the Machine recorded a solo album which Trent Reznor did a lot of production on. Did he? Uh, yeah I know. And Trent Reznor was like I I really wish he'd fucking release it. And Zach's like no I'm not releasing. It. Mm. How many tracks does uh, does Dre have in his own vault that were yeah. part for Detox? Yeah, he's got a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he knows. a lot. Uh, the Prince thing. There was an incredible article brought out uh, by Alexis Petridis from the Guardian just a couple of weeks ago, talking about being invited to Prince's sort of HQ in 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 Minnesota and actually being invited to sing "Sign of the Times" <laughs> in a room full of other journalists. Um, it didn't happen. He just bottled it, basically. <laughs> Prince sits at a piano during these roundtable interviews, and if he doesn't like a question, he plays the theme from the Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> like his career choices are so weird. Like his cameo on New Girl as well. Like, what has he been? What? What? How is he weighing things up? He's like, new album or New Girl? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. My favorite bit, I think, and this is so true, is, is that like they do kind of tours and shows in this kind of Prince HQ. That's uh, that's Harry the Dog. That's Prince. <laughs> <laughs> He's not very happy about it. He's reinventing himself yet again. <laughs> but he does these shows where people kind of come along and pay $30, 40 There's no guarantee that he's going to be there. It may just be kind of being shown around and having other musicians you know, showing the capabilities yeah, of these he, studios he, and stuff. He, he insists all the lights are turned off. He plays in the dark. Yeah, but and no one, one can see him. But once or tw- once or twice, he's been cycling around the parking lot, and that's his only ex- appearance of the night. He doesn't play music. It doesn't talk to them. But he just cycles laps of the parking lot. I think that's worth paying thirty dollars to see. Maybe oh, yeah. Prince was replaced by an actor years ago yeah. in the same way that was reported that Avril Lavigne is actually dead, and an actress has replaced her. Oh, really? By, by mm. all accounts, and you know what? I haven't been lucky enough to get there. If you go to see Prince play live, 
there is no question in the world it is Prince that no one else who's ever lived could possibly pretend to be I think guy. Liza Minnelli would have a good shot yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if Liza Minnelli can go on with no set list and occasionally no band and play just the most epic set that anyone has ever seen which Prince apparently does on a nightly basis um, he's also yeah. one of the greatest guitarists so like, oh, yeah, he's yeah. Actually I don't think he gets enough credit for that like yeah. he's a virtuoso like he's he is a genius mm. and again it goes back to the kind of like, Kanye West thing like I mean I'm happy for a rock star to be mental you know? have, yeah. I ever, have I ever told you how a friend of mine has a shitload of his wife's clothes Oh, is this... Someone told me a story about Prince basically uh, hooking up with some girl randomly and, like, him, all, like, refurnishing her apartment. Was it you who told no, me this? No, 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 no. Someone... No. Who was it? It was in the Workman's. I have no idea. This is very... If you're listening. It was Craig. No, this, this is a very different story. This is a friend of mine who was actually living in Minnesota when Prince and his missus broke up, sold a house, and obviously left it to an estate agent. Uh, they found that the wardrobes were full. Oh. And so my friend, um, who was friends with his daughter... Got to go along and pick out all of Prince's wife's clothes that they wanted. Whoa. And uh, yeah, she, yeah, she left a load of Prince's Jeez. wife's stuff. The face, the face of my friend's boyfriend when she told that story and he realised that Prince had also pawed those breasts. <laughs> <laughs> was the most satisfied man I've ever seen. It's incredible. The story I heard was um, he hooked up with some girl, I think it was an Irish girl, maybe it was in New York, and like he was back in her house and he didn't like the cushions on her couch and he kept talking about this and she was like, are we going to fucking get down to this or what? And he was like, well, these cushions are terrible. Um, the next morning... Less cushion, more pushing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the, next, the next morning, like a, a massive delivery van rolls up outside this girl's apartment and it's full of this like oh, bizarre prick. like he refurnished her apartment like these lads came in with all this fucking like decking and shit and just it's entirely purple just redid it <laughs> yeah probably velvet curtains like, that, that could be one of those you know or Prince, famous Prince urban legends with him refurnishing apartments uh, but I hope it's true yeah. I hope it's true hope well Kanye West uh, changed Kim Kardashian's entire wardrobe just because changed Kim's life yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you seen the Saturday Night Live sketch where he's like uh, he's going through like what, she's, what, what Kim Kardashian is wearing and he's like, Kim wore it better. It's fucking brilliant, man. It's worth looking up. And like Lady Gaga plays this other person. She's like playing this kind of geeky, uh, like girl who works for a computer company or something. And then he's like, he's like going through what she's wearing, and it's just it's so obnoxious. And it's yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And Nazim Padrad, who plays Kim Kardashian in that sketch, is fucking genius. She nails it. But uh, as for so, who wins in yes. Spotify, Tidal, and Apple, are we saying Apple Music? Or I, think I, think Spotify. No, I think Spotify. Yeah. Spotify win twenty fifteen. Uh, Apple quite possibly take over yeah I'm not, I'm not sure if like it's going to be a kind of a VHS Betamax kind of yeah you yeah, know, yeah. yeah. Well, Spotify's more fatality social. kind of situation yeah. Yeah. like Spotify's great for playlists that's why yeah, I decided to actually start paying because I wanted to listen to playlists that Dean makes did yeah, you see yeah. I mean, that, I did that Dean playlist. makes brilliant playlists oh, if you I, follow him on did Spotify did you see my, my DVN's Boner Jams 15 playlist <laughs> that I made almost exclusively <laughs> <No>. for you <laughs> um, I made a, a, a playlist uh, like the ideal lovemaking playlist and it was just uh, <laughs> it was like 20 times Thief in the Night by Craig David <laughs> over and over again I posted a screenshot of it on social media and I was like yeah that was like you know 80% for your benefit but I did love this wow. yeah, I'll give it a go <laughs> uh, I started making daily playlists this week like in work I was like trying to get them done the first half an hour of work and I've been posting them and they haven't gotten much reaction at, like, why you listen to morning, them as well but, uh, but Louise has been like uh, Dave no this, this is not a good choice that song doesn't work and I'm like thanks Louise uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> hope um, you enjoy no, but like, the playlists are great because you always want to burn CDs for people but also mm. you don't have to buy all the music so you can burn them yeah. onto your CD mm. um, so I love yeah I love the social element of playlists as well and yeah that's why I choose Spotify because it's just it should be said as well though that 
you know, and it's kind of going back to what we said at the start. When Apple kind of moved into the music thing, whatever it is now, about 15 years ago, it was iTunes, then like iPod, and basically that changed everything yeah, that we yeah. do in terms of listening to music. Yeah. I think it's very possible that both in terms of services and in terms of like equipment and kind of syncing everything together, which Apple are notoriously good at, mm. that, yeah, like what we've seen, the introduction of music... Uh, on the Apple brand could just step up massively and also the just their resources yeah don't they have more money than the US government like? more money than God <laughs> yes yeah, Spotify does kind of seem out like an island on its own almost yeah. you know they, they don't tend to but uh, it started so small though as well but now it's yeah, just such a big yeah, part yeah. of like say when you're at a party like someone it's the person who's like oh I've got the premium Spotify account turn off YouTube <laughs> take my phone like they are the white knight yeah. they're the people that you want at your party until somebody like starts flicking through your playlist and finds like you know the country jams that you used to share it to and stuff like that sorry is that just what, me you share it to country jams absolutely my friend do you sing in the shower you said Wait, you're from Cork, yeah? What's that? You sing? You sing? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It's very different. We've discussed bro country on the show before. I won't bore you. Do you but... sing in the shower? Yeah, of course. Oh, man. You know I was a boy soprano, right? No, I think you might have told me once and I was too drunk to remember. Yeah, yeah that happened. There's yeah. a note there. Yeah, yeah, yeah do you still... Oh. Yeah. I, feel, I, feel like, I feel like Alan Jones at a podcast party right now. <laughs> could have been a star, I could. So, uh, what's next, Moving Alan? on to... Yeah. <laughs> Vinyl versus CDs. Jesus. Because Urban Outfitter is the biggest seller of vinyl really? ever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because this year, That's uh, music sales were down apparently, but streaming and vinyl were both up, which is interesting. Yeah. I, the problem with new vinyl is that everything is digitally recorded anyway. So mm. what you're getting is 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 a digital recording pressed onto a vinyl. So the idea that vinyl sounds warmer or these kind of things really isn't relevant anymore oh, right. um, I mean I'd have a couple of shelves of vinyl uh, I actually don't have a vinyl player at the minute that I need to uh, reinvest in mm. but yeah it's, kind of, it's, it's, it's it's I don't know people who buy it now it's, I think it's more of a like a status thing like a yeah. having this kind of it's almost a piece of art as well because you've got the huge cover art mm. but uh, anybody who who believes that modern vinyl is actually sounds better than any other format is kind of kidding themselves a little yeah What's more, I mean, like, I know I've talked to a lot of dance DJs, guys who are playing all over the world, really, and have said that, yeah, people who are like, you know, oh, I, I like the sound of vinyl. Sound systems are not built to carry the, the, the sound range that vinyl has. Sound systems are built to accentuate a sort of a narrower scope of digital recordings. And so, basically, yeah. when you have these vinyl DJs playing these big clubs, it's actually completely lost. It's strange for someone to buy a new record though on vinyl. Like I'm always buying stuff Old like ones. Salt and Pepper and yeah, like yeah. stuff that like it's all like you can't actually bought, put the records that I buy onto any charts because it's all just secondhand. And yeah. like I was buying like copies of like um, Mariah Care- uh, seven inch copies of Mariah Carey's Always Be My Baby and stuff like that, <laughs> and imported from Germany. <laughs> so they they're not going to anything. That's money yeah. not even going to Mariah Carey. Yeah. So like yeah. that's what most people I think charity buy, shops and stuff. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's. Yeah, anyone... Vinyl players are still definitely a really good investment because there's actually a really small percentage of music that's ever been released that's available on other formats. Mm. Like there's so much music that's just on vinyl that you can't, you can't get yeah. on anything else. Um, you know, like hip hop producers and everything, like crate digging culture is without that, you wouldn't get like still so many of, uh, of the beats that you hear these days. 
Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, it's all... It's, it's like a lot of people it is there's the retro charm of it I mean we, we could add to with vinyl and CDs we could add tapes as well because I know there's a couple of small Irish labels who've released music directly onto tape mm. um, and again it's just it's, it's, it's kind of kitschy and it's, it's, it's cool to own um, but I, I don't think is, is vinyl going to save the music industry in terms of <laughs> in terms of the increase of sales probably not yeah. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, let's say I, I have a, I do, I do, I do collect a bit of vinyl myself. But um, I think we do have a tendency as well to look kind of backwards and and, and think things were were fantastic. Yeah, but it's yeah. such a weird thing as well. Like I I like have a lot of records, but I don't let anyone touch them. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like they're kept away in my room, so no one can even go near it because they're really they, they they are collector's item yeah, more yeah. than. What's the most you ever spent on vinyl? Both of you actually, if you're um, like... only something like thirty five euro or something. Yeah, I don't have anything. I wouldn't be like, rare. I did want to buy Janet Jackson's um, Velvet Rope on record, and it was the cheapest it was going for was 150 euro on eBay. I was like, no, someone can buy that for me. Christmas. The the the, the prize in my collection is definitely the the Prince albums. I've a, I have a lot of Prince on vinyl. So <laughs> nice. Uh, do you have the Batman soundtrack? <laughs> I uh, do I have the sound? I don't have the sound. I've got a couple of the singles. I've got like uh, Bat Dance and uh, one or two of the other ones. Nice. And it's just like yeah. The, I mean, the cover art is amazing. It's just like a, it's like a huge bat symbol yeah, on cool. a yellow background. I, I remember like my, I think my brother had it like on vinyl like when we were growing up. And like, even though I didn't really know what vinyl was, I was just I, I love Batman. So I was like, oh my god, fucking <laughs> yeah. I wonder if you still have that. The I've got the Beetlejuice uh, album oh. on vinyl. Nice. What a, cra- what a crazy film that first Batman is, by the way. Like Tim Tim Burton told you have to put all these Prince songs into your film. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a mismatch, but uh. the one thing that I'll say for vinyl is that, and whether it's as you said, kind of things about you know telling them it sounds warmer and all the rest of it, whether it's you and sort of like you know having the tangible thing that you keep in your room and you protect it or whatever. Vinyl over the past couple of years has found a way to really like commodify itself and give something, give people something that they will believe is worth paying money for which i think is basically what everyone in music is desperately trying to do now whether it's trying to you know big up your uh your sales in terms of like actual physical copies whether it's getting people signed up to streaming services whether it's kind of like you know bonus things when you release finals also copies. tend to come with like a digital download as well like, yeah. I mean, true absolutely mm-hmm. so you're accommodating everybody there yeah but what i'm saying is good. that they, they've really managed to have you know, a package, as it were, that people will say, I want to pay X amount of money oh, yeah, it for it. It looks cool, you know. Like, but like I, I have to say, I'm actually switching back to physical music because I got a new laptop about a year and a half ago. And then in the exchange of moving, moving music from one laptop to the other, like through hard drives and like the iCloud and all that, Apple, whatever it's called, um, I lost loads of music. And it's just, these are just like the odd file lost every now and again. So it's not until I'm like listening through mm. albums, I'm like, oh, seven, song seven is gone. Um, and this thing, like, you can just lose your music so easily. Mm. And with your, like, physical music, you'll lose it in a house fire. <laughs> but, like, you can just lo- lose your music by just yeah. accidentally emptying out your trash can yeah. on no, your laptop. I agree with the, like, the, the tangibility. Like, and, mm. and I think one of the appeals of vinyls is, is, is that there's a ritual involved in playing it. And, uh, I don't know, like, uh, we probably all the same. I, I grew up on, like, uh, I was a little bit off, so I grew up on cassettes first and then CDs. But 
I, I kind of miss that lack of choice. Like I miss, I miss the buying, you know, buying a CD and not having anything else to listen to and having to play it into the ground mm-hmm. compared to today when everything is available mm-hmm. at an instant. Like reading the inlay of the yeah, CD, yeah, yeah, but yeah, then yeah. now you delete it because it takes up too much space in your laptop. <laughs> right, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Very quickly, did anyone buy a CD this year? 2015. No, 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 no. 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 The CDs are fucking crap. No, no, no. Actually, before we move on, real quick, just you said Batman One is a, is a weird movie. In Batman Returns, he straps a bomb to a clown and kicks him down a sewer. <laughs> what the fuck? It's Batman. Uh, it's so so weird. Even as a kid, I was like, huh? And he kind of like has a weird like like whew, expression on his face after doing so. I was like, what the fuck? Very very strange. You can move on now, Al. No, okay. <laughs> there's, a, there's a yeah because those like you can't move on now. The Al. first movie, <laughs> I think even particularly like yeah, they feel like Warner Brothers kind of saying to Tim Burton, you have to do these certain things. But then there's that really weird scene in um, in Batman Returns where uh, he go uh, is it uh, yeah Christopher Walken is is hanging out at the Penguins. His campaign, um, oh my God. and he bites and the guy's nose off. Yeah, and it's like it's this perfect blend with the Tim Burton always does of like real idealistic, you know, U.S. Um, <laughs> we had some giggles on the other side of the table. It, it, it's turned Colin to really has to pee. <laughs> can, we just, can we just insert a sting at the end of this conversation? The cans have gotten to him. <laughs> but sorry, continue, please. Um. Yeah, it's, it's the one scene in those two movies that just rings of, of Tim Burton to me, where it looks like something snatched out of you know you kind of got Edward Scissorhand, where you've got the, the kind of the very weird stylistic character thrown into the the idealistic well, yeah, like the dying to be the half fish man yeah, yeah and then you've got, yeah and his, his his campaign office is just is so kind of smooth and clean great movies dean you're down a drink i see <laughs> no i'm still got half a, okay. a leck um so and so is the beer uh let's uh let's talk first about um probably the worst thing that happened uh, this year in terms of music and in in terms of humanity well one of the worst things uh, and it's ISIS attacked the uh, the Bataclan oh, I didn't know where you were going yeah. I was like, oh, it's the first it's the first yeah it's, it's, it's the only bit that's not going to be light yeah. but it's the first time that I think terrorism has kind of attacked music directly that's what Bono said anyway so good old Bono <laughs> so what what do we think is that going to have any kind of effects over but the next you know, few years when I remember in uh, 2005 Queens of the Stone Age were playing London on 7-7 and that's when those attacks happened mm. as well so it's just so awful oh, I didn't that, know that. No way. yeah I remember friends of mine were going over to see them and then they obviously had to cancel the gig because was it on the kind of work commute that the early morning work commute is when all those bombs went off in London so the gig was cancelled but Queens of the Stone Age still showed up to the venue and gave out kind of signed records to everyone just been oh. like we will be back so yeah. then when you see the interview with Jesse Hughes mm. and Josh Hom as well like that's something that two friends should never have had to both seen yeah. in their lives mm. and Jesse Hughes is so guilty in that interview <sighs> he starts crying like he apologizes man. Like, how could you ever fucking recover from that yeah. Yeah. but yeah. he's saying he wants to be they want Eagles of Death Metal to be the first band to play the Battle Clan because he's like we never finished our gig yeah. and we which is to, awesome it yeah. would be yeah. amazing yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. great yeah. I mean I'm, I must say that you know yeah the first time that music was directly attacked by terrorism I mean to be fair when the Taliban took over it they literally banned music mm. which yeah. I think tells you an awful lot about the, the power that people actually place in it and probably explains a lot of the power of the response to mm. the Bataclan thing because I guess you know like as much as we all love it and as much as you know it's pretty much my, my living so to speak uh, 
you know, it's just music. Like, it, it pulls people together, and it's a societal thing, and it's something that you share with friends and with others and stuff. And, yeah, for, for, for it to kind of be dragged into something so so dark and so weird was, uh, was I think, yeah, particularly affecting for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's why I found those attacks particularly upsetting, because... I you know of the night I was watching the coverage in a flat right almost directly above the Olympia where Eagles Death Metal. This was a Friday, I think, and they yeah. played on the Monday. Mm. Um, so you just kind of realise how how close to home. Yeah, uh, kind of was. Picture you know? in the Olympia for because I had seen the picture. I think the last picture yeah. they had put up was them at the Olympia, and just I don't know the Olympia stuck in my head so much as you know you've been to so many concerts there mm-hmm. and to, that happened. I just I can't, I can't you know you Did can't I've even gone to any gigs. Words. I went to the All Twins gig there on the twentieth of November, and they did like a little bit just to kind of say to commemorate those who died in Paris and that. But you're just you're looking around, and like I was upstairs in the balcony, and, you're, and it's really just easy to put yourself into that situation, and it's just horrendous. And then you find out that there was um, the the Irish couple as well, and it turns out I actually know the girl who's in the Irish couple, and you're just like it's fucking horrific that this is people our age people that don't really necessarily give a shit about politics yeah. or maybe they do loads I don't know but it was because anyone who's lived lives in France has said that for the last like 10 15 years there has been like a very strong police force in France but it's always been outside political buildings religious um, communities religious schools mm. and now the first time they attacked they attacked sport, a sports ground a music ground and just cafes and that it's like it's it's just bringing it on to people that have no involvement with it in a much much closer to home in a much more kind of devastating way yeah yeah. easy targets people who are out for a night to have a nice night basically like you know it's like it's just like walking in with machine guns like I mean what, what what's the, what, the most cowardly thing like it's yeah. fucking yeah. disgusting I, I think it it should be interesting over the next well couple of weeks now that we're kind of you know in December recording this and indeed you know the, the months to come that music will definitely have a part to play in sort of making some sort of statement you know big or otherwise maybe it's just going to be individual for, for, for a lot of people like, like Stiff Little Fingers played in Paris a couple yeah. of days later <clears throat> and cited the fact that growing up in Derry uh, back during the Troubles when bands wouldn't come there that mm. they wanted to take yeah. a stand and to play Paris and to show that you know this is going to be something that can actually be affected by mm. but through music and through something as seemingly small as putting on a gig i'm reminded of kind of back in after 9 11 when new york yankees kind of flew the flag for you know the entire the u.s saying we will not be afraid when they sort of went to the world series once baseball resumed after that um i think music is probably going to have a, a similar part to play similar statement i think when you see u2 rescheduling their paris gigs so shortly afterwards when you see other bands who are playing in paris and they're saying you know life will go on yeah i remember during 9 11 there's a band called biohazard they're based from brooklyn they came over to dublin like pretty much i think it was that week for some kind of like you know tattoo the planet gig or whatever it was and like i was like well if they're fucking coming over they're from brooklyn like these are new york lads like i think ultimately i think you know what's come out of this is that music and people's attitudes towards music and people going to gigs, I don't think it'll be affected one but whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I think it will actually galvanise the music community in a lot of different ways. And I think, you know, obviously it's horrendous to see it has to take such a tragic thing, but I think it's actually been quite heartwarming in as much as the response with people who've kind of been saying, no, no, you're not winning. You're not, you're not going to win. We're not going to let, we're going to let love and music win. And I think that that's what's going to happen. And I think, you know, I really, I'm sure the Eagle Dead Metal will be the first band back in the Ballot Clan. And that, 
it could be an incredible moment like for music itself mm. I mean that could be like an unbelievable like maybe some statement or it, yeah. yeah like just the ownership taking ownership yeah. of this horrible horrible thing and going no fuck you like, the thing that he said um, that has just stuck with me was like he was breaking down like the mm-hmm. interview is so difficult to watch with him but he was saying the reason so many people died was so many people refused to leave their friends yeah. 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 and also like I know there's been huge debates and all that starting across the globe just about general violence and warfare and that but this insight of having someone like Jesse Hughes who can go do an interview with Vice and make this kind of violence relatable to people all over the world it's like I'm really afraid to say what I'm saying because it's taken out of context but it's really open up how it can it's happening to people like us everywhere in the world Mm -hmm. and they're not just I don't know statistics it's Mm -hmm. kind of given that kind of human emotion that people like to go to gigs and they're yeah yeah. that's what it was people had a gig people had a match People sitting in a restaurant. These guys just Friday, roll up, right, roll like, up you know, outside the window and just start week. blowing yeah. in the window. Yeah, exactly. Just it's like just attacking, just fun. Uh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. happiness. Yeah. That's just attacking any and form freedom. of yeah, free life. Freedom. Yeah, I do think we'll see heightened security though at gigs for yeah, now. In, in the same yeah. way we we saw you know the nine eleven change. Yeah, almost in um, yeah. and of course the Euros is in France next year. Like you know, mm. the football tournaments. Yeah, well that's. Perfect opportunity to mm. kind of reject all all that kind of fear, and by mm. going to France, which uh, I hope to do. Mm. Oh well, as soon as I unqualified, like I mean, like everyone was like, "We're getting the fucking ferry." What was like, it yeah. some yeah. German newspaper wrote? It's like, "Thank God the Irish got in because they lift <laughs> they lift everyone's spirits so uh-huh. much." And that's when they, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. good on. Like I mean, we're gonna say so. You two's gig was, was cancelled <laughs> a few days later, or there was a little bit of a, a backlash. I think it was like the day after the attack. Was it the day yeah, after? Like they were yeah. in Paris. I, I saw a photo yeah. of them like at um, yeah, okay. kind of. Deftones cancelled their tour. I take it to see. Deftones were in, in the London. audience when it happened. Yeah, yeah. a couple yeah. of them were. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. And. Uh, Foo Fighters cancelled their tour as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, ba- there was a bit of a backlash to you two people saying they shouldn't have cancelled. It would have been a great opportunity to kind of stand mm-hmm. up against it. Well, I mean, to, to, be, to, to be fair, I don't it, think for it, a no, second yeah. that that was you two's call. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. Well, I mean, Disneyland was, was closed. Like total shutdown. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 The, the, the thing is, first time well, ever got, that Disneyland was closed. Yeah, but you got to remember as well though that like you know putting on a gig, especially one of you two's size, isn't just the four lads going out and playing instruments yeah, it's a lot of it's security a machine, yeah. it's a lot yeah. of police it's traffic calming measures it's everything and so if at that point the Paris authorities were saying this is a problem yeah it's completely out of YouTube but also hands, the YouTube fan base is so loyal that for example when they re-announce those dates everyone's like oh cool awesome great that'd, that'd, that'd be classy then yeah, but no, like, there's no I don't yeah, anyone is actually like you know well, put imagine they have put, actually put on the show and something actually happened which is a distinct yeah, possibility you'd... then in you know in hindsight you know but also you'd have to ask like I mean like assuming it was supposed to be a couple of days after two, or three days. two days would two people days. not want to go to the gym I mean, people might, might be like in that state oh, and like, I'm not going to like, but then people also might have been like fuck you I am going yeah, you know yeah. the tour the, the show that they're putting on up in the tree is supposed to be out of this world it's supposed to be amazing and yeah. I've said before like you know this, this country has like a lot of begrudgery towards you two you know as kind of almost an instinct and yet those gigs sell out immediately I wouldn't be a huge U2 fan I think they got a lot of great songs uh, they got a lot of shit songs but also I've seen them live once I think everyone should see them live yeah. once bread- is yeah. enough really once too. is enough yeah, yeah but also that's their bread and butter I mean like they, they put on a show and you know fair play to them yeah then the- again I did see a, did see a photograph of 
like it was like a visual trick and it was like a giant Bono le- like putting his hand out and the edge is Ooh. standing in the hand and I was like this is the goofiest shit <laughs> I have ever but then again seen. they did release Discotech so great like fucking let's- song. the best song ever my yeah. great song that t- I wish that time was back when oh, oh, that, that's, why, that's why this album I don't, I don't care about how they chose to fucking distribute the record just make you know like a pop album please because yeah. you're really good at it Staring at the Sun is my favourite YouTube great song, song. Yeah. great song I had seen that photo from the current tour and I'd, I'd at least say that, you know, in the context, if it's halfway through a gig where, you know, there's just such a complete love-in, which is what you're going to get when tickets are so limited and stuff, it's probably nowhere near as cringy. But it looks like something out of the fucking Lion King. Yeah, like I know. It, listen, it, it is poor. But but the other thing I'll say is that, yeah, I had a chance to talk to a lot of the people who kind of work behind the scenes with YouTube. The guy who's been their sound guy since the 70s. And the guy who's designed all their sets for all their tours since the 80s. And... Yeah, like, they started planning this particular tour at the start of 2013. Jesus. Mm. Isn't that so, Gavin, Gavin Friday is the, the chief kind of architect, apparently? Well, he's, he's, he is in the sense of, like, you know, he throws out an idea. Right. Then you actually have people who are, like, you know, properly qualified, as it were, to say, well, this can work, this can't work, this has mm. to fit together, we have to have X much space to do this, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, these the set designers, sound designers, stuff like that are, are the elite. And yeah, when you two go out on the road, they're not satisfied to just, you know, pack in the kit into the back of a van mm. and play gigs. They're, they're going to do something a bit special. And yeah. uh, uh, So you, you put out a tweet um, earlier uh, asking if this was a good year for music and, and what came yeah. out. Um, um, and people kind of responded pretty quickly and were saying, not really, but there's been some strong stuff happening. Yeah, there's actually, um, there's been a lot of stuff that I wrote down that was from people that hadn't done anything in years mm-hmm. like a, a Sleater Kinney I don't know how to say yeah, it's like, it's uh, like Blur Smash Pumpkins Dr. Dre New Order The Coors mm. Enya uh, yeah <laughs> I think we should probably like uh, rec- record scratch and talk about The Coors for a second yeah, okay. <laughs> tell, tell us all about what you did last Tuesday oh yes <laughs> <laughs> so my phone started going mental at about midday Tuesday last week um, every, uh, people texted me going uh, Louise, you know, the Coors are going to be playing Doyle's Ruby Sessions. Do not put this on Twitter. Do not tell anyone that I told you. Um, so the D- Ruby Sessions, I'd never been before, actually, and it's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> and it's like uh, you go upstairs in Doyle's, which is a tiny little space. And I had been told the capacity is normally 60 people, but I think they squished about maybe 150 people into this room <laughs> to see the Coors play their first gig on Irish soil in over 10 years. No way. Yeah. And just to... It's just a mad thing because they haven't changed number one they all look like they did like Jim's 50. changed a little <laughs> I was expecting was him to but he, was wearing, he was wearing a flat cap but I was expecting was him to yeah. I was expecting him to look shocking but you know he looked great like he's probably a good 10 years older than Andrea and they're all looking really well fair play uh, whatever it is in those Dundalk waters um, but yeah they released a new album this week and they're playing a UK and Irish tour in January which I bought tickets for my housemate for for her 30th <laughs> so you know anyway um, but for an like I just think it's a really weird thing, time for Irish music because the chords were so massive between 95 and like 99 every household owns talk on corners um, probably one of my most favourite songs ever is Run Away by the Chords mm-hmm. and you kind of just slag them off because they started working with like Mutt Lang by the end and was releasing these really cheesy songs but um, well they always release cheesy songs who am I kidding <laughs> uh, but they were amazing there was more of a kind of focus on the traditional side of their things so they played like Toss the Feathers and like lots of other kind of Irish jigs and reels and but like 
they're so good. Um, <laughs> I don't, the Prosecco is totally kicking in. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> not just, finding the words. I'm going to put a chorus song underneath that whole thing. Yeah. But, but I put Only When I Sleep under there because that's the best chorus song. Uh, no matter what Louise says, that's the best chorus song. Uh, well, no, I, I'll give like... But to shout back out to my school days for the second time in this podcast, which I don't think I would be doing at all. Uh, there was, you know... You're from Drogheda, yeah? I'm from Drogheda, yeah. yeah. Okay. The sister town to Dundalk, so, you know, I guess... They I wouldn't can, like to hear that. They wouldn't like to hear that. Drogheda, you know, I have no real love for Drogheda. It's whatever. Um, there was a teacher in the school and he was your archetypical like you know wacky teacher who no one respected and he was a bit of a madman he claimed that he bumped into the chorus on a train once when they were struggling with their musical direction and he went why don't you just take old Irish music and contemporary pop and mash them together oh he came up with the trad he, rock fusion he was the, he was the Sven Galley <laughs> without him no no, no gig in Doyle's last week um, at my table where I was yeah. sitting for the chorus um, there was these two the, these two people who had met online when they're they're from Brazil and they met online on a chorus forum in 1999 and they both loved the chorus so much that they moved to Ireland eight years ago and the chorus hadn't played like a gig in Ireland in that amount of time so their whole lives have been like just kind of waiting to see the chorus perform and they both love the chorus so much that they've like flown to see Sharon play solo gigs in New York and like they, they've met like they've met them all separately like when they came on stage they saw the two at the table and be like oh hey how are you and me and my husband were like this is amazing <laughs> we go meet the chorus through the Brazilian fan club um, but the effect that the chorus have had on people around the world like not just outside Ireland it's just really weird it's like Germany Brazil and like Japan I think are yeah. their biggest places I mean I wasn't even kidding the other night when I was kind of given the job that someone was going to report back from the chorus gig on Tuesday and that I was going to put it up on the hotpress.com website and I said and I really wasn't kidding. If Nelson Mandela was alive today, we could get a retweet. <laughs> because, no, 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 they were his favourite yeah, band. He loves when them. Nelson Mandela had this massive concert for, I think it was his 80th birthday, he was asked, who would you want to play there? And the only band that he specifically requested was the Coors. <laughs> but, like, I, there was a huge... absolutely true, Dave. I <laughs> swear to God. There were so many rumours that Bono was going to come straight from the point to Doyle's to perform with them. And I was, like, so disappointed that Glenn Hansard wasn't there because there's obviously, like, a bat mm. signal that goes out for him. Don't, don't, yeah. don't, 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 still be stuck there. There must have been now. some other singer-songwriter now happening uh, that he reluctantly went on stage and started playing a few tunes for <laughs> that, that night. You know? Reluctantly for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're going to try and uh, wrap this up with everybody's favourite stuff and oh. least favourite stuff. Well, before we do that, actually, uh, I know Cullen wants to talk about his favourite band. Um, <laughs> you were just determined to shove this in here, Well, to be right? fair, actually... Well, no, that's an album that's come out this year, right? It does factor so in because uh, yeah. the Girl Band album came out this year <laughs> and uh, it, it will be in, in my upper echelons of my lists. Uh, what about yours? The lower ones <laughs> mine, I think. <laughs> do you have lower echelons? <laughs> Um, do, do things just I fall think it's off? It's a new shoe coming out. With yeah, the I think it was was it during the picnic gig when like you know we you turned to me and you're like, don't get it. Yeah, no, 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 no. It was before that I didn't get it. I'd listened to them a bunch. I did because obviously, like, I try to keep a handle on what people are listening to at the best of times. I especially try if it's like you know a big Irish Dublin band coming through. And I listened to girl band for a while, and I'd always said it was the equivalent of me trying to evaluate Chinese poetry. It's not that I thought it was good or I thought it was bad. I literally just didn't understand it. <laughs> I didn't know what direction I was meant to approach this in. I don't know how I meant to comprehend it. I can't make any judgment whatsoever. And yeah, it was the picnic where it finally hit me. It's like, it's not that they're doing something that I don't understand. They're doing something that I don't like. Mm. Okay. Big I, words. 
By the way, you're just that's also a, quite a big thing to admit. Like that's fine. It's for someone else. Oh, of course, not for me. Um, <laughs> your, your description there though reminded me of a uh, Craig Fitzpatrick's description of Lulu, the Metallica Lou Reed record, where he said it was like a drunk man at a gig following you around and shouting in your ear for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a fucking great line. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, like yeah, girl band to me don't feel that far removed. I mean, it feels like they've just. Like they've written, uh, you know, something of a, a song, so certainly something of a song structure, and then they've inserted noise where the music's meant to be. <laughs> Around the horn, how do we feel about Girlband? Because actually, one of the responses that we got on Twitter was from uh, Johnny Keegan, who's a hot press journalist, who basically said, "Not a great year on the home front." And I was like, "Oh yeah, but there has been a lot of good Irish stuff this year." Yeah, no, I really like Girlband's album, yeah. and I'm annoyed I missed some uh, electric because I think they're playing the same time as FK Twins. They were, yeah, yeah. So I went to see her instead, so I missed out on that little slot. Mm. How was that? Um, great uh, obviously uh, Festival Tent is not the place for a performance artist rather than a singer mm. um, because just everything got lost in the fog mm. and I was hammered you, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know just really quickly jump in there and talk about things that have been positive in terms of Irish music in the past 12 months one thing that struck me about Metropolis a couple of weeks ago was that it could potentially be a phenomenal place to see as you say somebody who has an element of performance in their act in an actual arena stage where you've got you know two major stages there you've got 36 hours across a two-day span on each stage yeah there's no, an awful lot that could be done with that in the metropolis next years. i think has really hit the nail on the head for what we kind of need festivals to become because I was talking about this earlier on to someone else where I'm sick of festivals thinking that a field is the place that they need to be so it was great to actually be in a building there were some issues and mm. like with lack of toilets and kind of the in-out system uh, look, with that, queues they, those but are teething problems I've been had, to enough first yeah, time they so. kind of ironed out a load of those issues by the second day which meant they were taking everything on board but even with the amount of kind of who <laughs> <laughs> that's a loud beer <laughs> the loudest can I've ever heard in my life Pratsky yeah. man doesn't, can <laughs> around, like, doesn't mess around <laughs> Um, but the focus on uh, there was so many brilliant Irish DJs um, they're like I caught Clue's act and they like, like I love Clue as well they're just a brilliant audiovisual act and they got this amazing stage and they were able to bring their visuals to the best point that they could and the people running Metropolis which was Hidden Agenda they're the people that love music and they knew what they were dealing with so it was just a really it was just a great experience for people who really love music to be attending something run by people who also love music yeah I think you're really step uh, were you there? I, I, I missed out no yeah. just does um, <laughs> so oh um, we better have a quick note about Adele before we move on to the best stuff of the year uh, it's, it's boring it's bland I'm happy to be the uh, professional <laughs> critic who gave it the worst review out there on like, Metacritic and ADC music and stuff so not that I was refreshing those pages or anything um, but yeah it's 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 middle of the road uh, I respect her for what she's done for the music industry she seems she is great though. she seems cool yeah, she she's seems really great fucking gal. cool that's an amazing voice yeah, but I wish she had better songs. Yeah. Why can't she have Amy Winehouse quality songs? Yeah. Because she, she, she doesn't this, sing that way, though. You know, like but her voice is just incredible. incredible. Yeah, yeah. But there's, there's having a good voice, and I haven't listened to this new album. But every, all the older it's not stuff as bad I, as Dave says it is. All the older stuff I've heard <laughs> always kind of sounded to me like. Uh, like, like soul music sung by somebody who doesn't really have much soul in her voice there yeah. was, there, yeah, there was a certain amount of that and to be fair I mean like her, her last album like it, it was the heartbreak album it was yeah. the break so is album. this yeah but she that's exactly topic, what I was yeah. about to say and part of the problem is that and I just know this from kind of like reading a lot of the interviews and the sort of press that she's done in the past little while has been you know she had a kid she wants to keep it completely private mm. um, even though uh, she admitted herself and I think her exact quote was, 
What a cunt, eh? Want to keep it secret. And I got his name tattooed on my hand. <laughs> um, but, you know, she, she's had a kid. She has, she has this private life and she very definitely wants to keep that private. And I think basically, as a result, she's almost ended up blocking out what's happened in the past three years and ended up writing from the point of view of where that 21 record but also Rick from. Rubin apparently told her that he the record wasn't good it, enough yeah. and then she was like oh thank god someone had the balls to say this to me and she scrapped the entire record but this is the one and I'm sure it is the one I don't but in any like way but it's like one of the fastest conviction. selling albums like ever it's like bro- every single day like yeah. I have to do write up a thing about it and every single day it's broken a new record I'm like ah, oh, none of this is going to be relevant by the time this publishes yeah, next week that's why in my like, review I was like I literally had a line where I was like oh you could easily fill out a fucking list of this but I'm not going to bother because I was like it's changing by the second yeah. I was like yeah. there's no point like, I actually had references but I was like oh they're different now today yeah. Yeah. If, if nothing else at least and you can say what you want about the quality of music or the subject matter or something at least it proves that without some sort of wild record company mechanism without some sort of ridiculous gimmicks without, you know, uh, kind of doing crazy sort of distribution things, somebody making music can sell obscene mm. amounts of mm. record nowadays. Like, I think the New York Times had this disgusting headline today where it was like, how does a 27-year-old mom beat every, like, record-selling... Like, it's like, why did you just, like, reduce her to that? Like, yeah. she... Like, she doesn't have to do any promo whatsoever and she'll have a number... Like, she got number one with Hello in 85 different countries and like that's huge and yeah so and by by two three days after releasing 25 she'd sold more copies than taylor swift had sold of 1989 in like a year so like it's just i just hope that she buys a new phone because that flip phone (laughs) it's a bit bit ghetto before you move on to the wrap-up which real quick just on on irish music which we kind of touched on it briefly i think it's been a really good year for irish music i think jape villagers Girl band Soak all released great Soak. records. Oh right, um, overhead the Soak, Soak oh, yeah, is well, an unbelievable record. I should jump in there. I'll just say that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I, I'm a huge fan of Villagers, a uh, huge fan of Jape. I think he's fantastic. But I remember listening to the Soak record and turning around and saying, "This is not a, like a good Irish record or a good record for a teenager to write. This is just a good record, full stop. Like this is international level good." Mm-hmm. If this had landed on my desk from like a twenty odd year old American, I'd be blown away. Yeah, she's never really mind a teenager. That's important. I think it's important to you need to rank Irish artists from that barometer. Yeah, I, just, I, I just, hate this whole they're good for I, an Irish band. I, yeah, I, that I just needs to be did. Be, I um, and I. I Maybe shouldn't because I, I've been invited to be on another podcast talking specifically what? about Irish. What? What? So I've been invited to talk Get specifically out. about I kind of Irish. Stop the recording. We're going to start again. Okay. Can we believe that all of his responses? Yeah. 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 So I, I, as, I'm no. afraid I can't share too many hot takes about Irish hip hop. No, but, we love um, hot takes. Oh. Um, well, we didn't want to hear them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This we I think breaking out of this idea that it it you know the music is good without you wanting to necessarily listen to it because for me is 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 the music good enough that if you have nothing else to listen to you're going to throw it on to it purely for for pleasure. And I think that's what we need to, um, to, to that, that needs to be the barometer. I do think that that, terms that of... distinction needs to go. I mean, for example, I think Hot Press have a section where it's like best Irish. And it's like, you know, I think that that should be amalgamated in. 
Yeah. I'm going to criticize Hot Press because I no longer write for them. Hello from the other side, Hot Press. Hello. Jesus. Adele puns are you going to put in here? You're like a lawyer that's uh, representing Adele. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, well, look, while I've had to talk What do you to want to say, writer for Hot Press magazine? Well, I've had to talk to someone like you a lot. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I would say that basically, no. Best Irish and, you know, how good are they sort of in an Irish perspective international? I think at least part of that is down to, you know, are these guys likely to be playing in your town this weekend? Where people aren't necessarily going to be choosing between, say, you know, Adele and Soak <laughs> yeah. playing mm. in Castle Bar anytime soon. Um, so, um, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I think there's some level... Uh, which you do need to sort of like pay more attention to Irish artists, but I do agree that yeah, the distinction of kind of like you know, again, good I for Irish, it's Irish kind of, it's kind of you know pretty good looking for a girl sort of shit. Like you know, but Irish nonsense. music right now is like at such a healthy stage. Like I think like the Jape is playing December twelfth. Like mm. that's a gig I'm definitely going to be buying tickets for. And all twins played last week, and they're unreal. Like and when we're all at the gig, we're like they're going to be massive. Like they're going to be fulls massive. I think Jape is playing the same night as Overhead the Albatross. Oh, um, Overhead so. another. Yeah, who released uh, uh, next year? Is it the album's coming out next year? They released Big Riverman single uh, two months ago, which is that video. The video is amazing. Yeah, Yeah. it's an incredible song. They're a ridiculously good band, and Mm. the most humble gents you'll ever meet. Mm. Uh, Participant released a new EP recently. He's supporting Overhead that night. Uh, The Galaxy put out a really good record. Um, Fucking, we mentioned Girl Band as well. So um, yeah, I, I, I think it's the Irish scene is, is increasingly healthy. Tell No Fox. You, oh my god! You introduced so me good. to that song Dust, which is one of my favorite songs of the year. And they are just one of the best acts. Actually, yeah, yeah. Tell No Fox at Hardworking Class Heroes, and then who else? Saint Sister as well. They were brilliant. Yeah, yeah, they were fucking like captivating. Um, who else did we see that was great as well? Um, Elephant was very good. He he, he he's from Dundalk. He like, singer. Oh yeah, I've, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah, him at yeah, a few like, homebeat yeah. events, and he's yeah. just mesmerizing. there's too much to keep yeah. up with. Like to yeah. be honest with you, I mean, yeah, like, in like, a way, like, it's a bit like it's hard to kind of put the best first because there are so many to choose from. Yeah, there's tons. Um, but yeah, we can we can move on to the very closing segment now. Alan. All right. Well, uh, I just want to get a few of your best things of the year. So let's start with single. What's the best single? Are we all just going to say Hotline Bling? I think no. we're all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is this from anyone? I was going to yeah. say, are we all going to say Can't Feel My Face? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Dave's favourite. That's yeah. for no, sure. It's not. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Top three. To, me, it, to, to me, honestly, that song just... I, it was kind of the perfect storm. Which one? Can't Feel My Face. Right. I think it's going to be a millstone for him because I just I don't think he's going to repeat that level of just, you know perfection really like I mean it's just everything came together ideally but <laughs> so is that, is that, your, so reserved or is that your single of the year no, that love, would be my I single the of the year I, yeah. I, I think the song is absolutely fantastic it would be my top five for sure uh, I don't even think it's the best weekend song of the it's year it's not though. the best weekend song no The Hills I think is the best weekend song of the year I like Last Tables to be honest yeah. pretty good yeah. uh, I mean like it's like it's a tough one uh, my song of the year though is uh, Good For You by Selena Gomez <laughs> number yeah, one we've discussed this number one yeah. he number fucking one. loves that song I can remember when Dave sent me that song and he was like check this out if it got rid of the ASAP course be yeah but she did release a the YouTube video is is the non-ASAP Rocky version which exactly is this is before ASAP Rocky got involved and yeah. I remember listening to it and I was like I kept waiting for a drop and it never came I fucking love that was <laughs> 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 my reaction at the time okay Louise Oh, best song. Um, oh, shit. I'm under pressure and drunk. <laughs> uh, probably Hotline Bling for the amount of plays that I've given it okay. and levels of enjoyment I've knocked out of it. 
Uh, I want to point out that uh, uh, King Kunta, I think, will, 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 is a massive song of the year yeah. as well. And I mean, actually, that might be mine, actually. Good night, I was walking uh, home with uh, and myself and my mate Steve were there, and this car was beside us, and there was like like the whitest guy I've ever seen in the car blasting King Kunta and like raising the roof from behind like his steering wheel. Not very safe, but uh, he was, yeah, he was like bopping along to it. And, yeah. You know, it's it's an incredible song. I think it's uh, it's been a really really good year for for individual songs. I think, Dean. Um, singles or songs? Sing- uh, okay, song. <laughs> All right. Um, my three favorite songs of the year are "All Right" by Kendrick Lamar, "North North" by Vince Staples, and "Fucking Up the Count" by Freddie Gibbs. If I had to pick one, I'm going to pick "All Right" though, because I think that has almost already a few months after its release come to have a life of its own. You're hearing it being chanted at at um, Black Lives Matters protests. Uh, so I think that song is going to live for a long time. So in terms of picking a single of the year, um, I don't think it can look beyond that. Okay. I also want to uh, say like Killing Strangers by Marilyn Manson is one of the best songs I've heard. I heard it around last Christmas time and it's like fucking, I think it's an exceptional song. I think the record, The Pale Emperor, is my album of the year. Uh, I think not enough people have heard it. I think it's criminally underrated. It's like Marilyn Manson's one of those records, or one of those artists where like he went off the deep end for quite a while and yeah. then has come back quite strong. He's another one of those people that hasn't done something in a long time and came back. Yeah, and it's man, that that record is fucking brilliant. Actually, I have to say that, that's go- your album of the year. Then Marilyn Manson, Pale Emperor, album of the year. Um, Golden Rules, It's Over is also one of my favorite singles of the song as well. There. Okay. Damn it! Singles of the song. We're getting to that point. Yeah. Right. Question: You can't answer. What's your album of the year? Oh, I'm kind of torn. I think it's Miguel's Wild Heart or Father John Misty's. I love you, Honey Bear. Yeah, I love you, Honey Bear. Yeah. I okay. think. Yeah, yeah, they get they've gotten the most. I love plays, you, Honey Bear is a great record, and and I should say I've Soak up there as well. I've Grimes, who oh, I think yeah. Yeah. is an amazing album. She although, has me so excited for her live show in March. I want to very briefly say I think everyone has got it wrong in terms of judging this album as like she wrote a pop album and then like stuck a load of shit on top to it well no 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 but people seem to have got this idea that like it started out as a pop album and then she kind of threw the kitchen sink at it to make it interesting when I have little doubt in my mind that at one stage this was probably like a three hour long album with fucking Mm. like sweets and movements like Mm -hmm. an 18th century symphony Mm. and she's managed to whittle it down to something that's actually accessible Mm. and listenable as a pop album Kill V Mame is up there with Black Skinhead as like one of the greatest first instant listens hitting repeat did you see that live clip that was released a while ago it's just so mental I would though and I know from the sounds of it might be with Dean here say Kendrick Lamar Mm. might be my album of the year and a lot of it does have to do with the fact that as you say something like all right being chanted at black life matters and stuff like that it it is an album that's actually caught the the zeitgeist and not in a pop pop culture way but actually in a political way in a social way that very few albums in living memory have to be perfectly honest i think when you compare like to pimp a butterfly with compton it's like Dr. Dre was trying to kind of go for that, but you just couldn't believe the words coming from his mouth because he's not really connected to the everyday man in the way that Kendrick Lamar is. Right, it's yeah, because Butterfly was an album that connected with a lot of people on a kind of a social level, but also a lot of particularly LA-based rap albums have taken their cues from that. Yeah. Dr. Dre, who fiddled around trying to make an album for 16 years or something, um, pulls it all together within the last few months and somehow seems to have taken... A lot of his cues from from Kendrick, who's one of his protégés. Yeah, Kendrick and like yeah. Flying Lotus and just mm. yeah, and, and, and even to, yeah. any and you know if you want to look at it like an artist of a year, um, 
Kendrick might have the two best verses on that whole album as well on Compton. <laughs> so I mean, he's. Uh, I know you know you know. I think To Pimp a Butterfly wasn't a perfect album. There was, there was it, it wasn't a very song based album. There's a lot of sketches on there. There's yeah. a lot of kind of slam yeah. poetry on there. But in say in terms of catching uh, and just bottling this this wave of. Um, of 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 feeling that's that's kind of running through the US at the moment. I think he he he's done it better than anybody. One thing that I actually neglected to mention there, and you mentioned his name earlier, Vince Staples, Summertime Six. That's yeah, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, I also phenomenal. love the fact that he said that he didn't grow up grow up on like Biggie Smalls and that he's like just like shunning yeah. our, all of our ideologies of like hip hop and being like I didn't grow up on that. This mm-hmm. is my own brand, and it's like we have to kind of just accept that's that. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, Dave, your album's here. Did you say uh, Marilyn Manson? Pale Oh, you did say. Yeah. Okay, it's brilliant. Great. Listen to yeah. it. Good yeah. If I had to pick a, an, okay, an album of the year, it's like one group of songs. I'd say Father John Misty's. Right. It's probably one of the best singer-songwriter albums I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, but I was actually having this debate already. What constitutes kind of one project? Because if I had to pick an artist, say I'd probably pick Future because he had three okay. really good releases this okay. year. Um, so he had Dirty Sprite 2 which was kind of his studio album and he had Beast Mode and he had 56 Nights so okay. if you want to count those as, yeah, as yeah. one thing does anyone else have an artist of the year? I think it has to be Kendrick really I mean, yeah, in terms I, of what, I, for I, what he's I, accomplished I think Kendrick has and yeah especially when you know you consider sort of where he's coming from as it were um, and I don't mean that in a socioeconomic way I mean in terms of like kind of musical you know, how much people pay attention to him, how much those sort of albums usually end up at a best of the year list. What show, was, what show was he on? What late night talk show was he on where he did the medley? Probably oh, yeah. Colbert. I think it was Colbert. And it was, yeah. And it's amazing. Just watch him. Like, I mean, like, yeah. the, the, the energy, the focus he has and the ability he has is, I mean, it's, it's jaw-dropping. Yeah, he's superb. I remember about 18 months ago I'd said that in rap and in music in general, the sort of voice of a generation is kind of, by definition, it's cyclical. And that even while we hadn't heard a single thing that was to become To Pimp a Butterfly, there was a feeling after Go Kill Mad City that Kendrick could be that guy for a decade or 15 years or something. And yeah, certainly I haven't been dissuaded of that idea in the year that's passed. Um, Artist of the Year, well yeah. done. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a trophy the in the post. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a... um, the course. The course. <laughs> um, no, I have to say this year, kind of like I'm going to focus on the pop spectrum a bit more. Um, I really love Little Mix's new album, Get Weird, because it's finally they're, get, they're getting songs that match their talent. And because they're incredible singers, and the harmonies that they do is unlike any kind of girl band that we've had since On Vogue. And yeah, I think with Love You Like You, Love Me Like You and Black Magic, yeah, two really great chart hits. Um, and also Tinashe, she's one of my favourite like R&B singers at the moment and she's kind of featured on a lot of songs this year but next year she's going to be releasing her new album. But yeah, she's had loads of great features and um, everything she does, I'm just like, yeah, good girl. I'll, se- I'll second as well on Miguel because I actually, I, I, I've, been a, I've been a huge Weekend fan since when he first emerged and we didn't know was, did Weekend refer to a band? Was this actually kind of Drake in disguise? There was all these rumors mm-hmm. floating about and like he didn't, po- he wouldn't pose for a photograph. Um, so I can't believe that in that hair. <laughs> in the space of like four years he's gone from that to kind of like a, a, like a pop star um, and actually um, 
his new album is probably my least favorite of all his kind of projects. Fuck, really? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I, it, what, better better than trilogy or better than. But you're um, so tired of the same material at this stage. And you're like, is this really what's? That's the that's yeah. the problem with the new album. It's, it kind of veers between. Oh, him, you love coke he, and sex. That's great. He, <laughs> it kind of veers between these him retreading what what he was good at, but not quite as well, and yeah. then these kind of weird statements with with like Ed Sheeran and things. Yes. So, for somebody who was missing and Lana. what the weekend was, did sound like a couple of years ago. The Miguel album definitely filled that uh, that slot for me. Can I very quickly jump in and say that it would be amiss if I didn't point out that the song that I've listened to the most this year is a song written by a Norwegian football team's goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> they play in the Norwegian First Division. They are my new team. Uh, I, went, I finally went to see them back in October. Really? It was amazing. I decided I had to learn the song before I got there, which has genuinely <laughs> been written and recorded by their goalkeeper, Eric Ustgard. So, um, yeah, Martina Pumidalgres, which is a club song for Ursina. <laughs> Tune of the year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Weekend. I'm taking that back. Uh, real quick, do you uh, not musical whatsoever? But do you want to just really quick tell the story of the social media interaction that you had with the club? Well, yeah. Basically, it was that we found this terrible club song that like Leicester City, I think, had done. Was it Leicester City? Um, or their owner had written. If you haven't heard it, check it out. Google it. It's mind blowing stuff. And yeah, at that point, I was like. Yeah, it should be said now that a club that I kind of follow, their their goalkeeper wrote their own song, and and then the club were like, "Hey, excellent!" Like you know, favoriting and retweeting and stuff, and then we were just kind of like building up to when I was finally going to be able to go to a game, just warning them, you know, there is a fan from Ireland coming to a match, <laughs> and they were all like, "What the fuck is that about?" I got there, and I wasn't shouting abuse or anything. Norway isn't the sort of place to do that. But I was kind of giving it a bit of, you know, like, pass it out left, pass it out left. And all these children were turning around going like, who is this guy? Who is this weirdo who's decided to, to pitch camp and start shouting at our players? And um, yeah, I don't know. If, if you get a bizarre amount of hits from Norway for this podcast, it's probably going to be because of this. Okay. And then that'll do it. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, very final question. Uh, anybody, what are you looking forward to in 2017? Personally, 2017. I think Craig David, yeah. 2016. Is, is that your thing? Be, Craig yeah. David? Okay. Well, no, that's what Craig David is. Uh, Frank so. Ocean, hopefully. We'll Frank Ocean. I want a Radiohead album and I want a Kanye album. You're not yeah. going to get either of those. I, I, I don't think you're going to get either of those, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Maybe Rihanna will have Rihanna album out by that time. So. Yeah, I think we'll get a Radiohead album. I'm I'm interested <laughs> to see how Irish festivals are going to sort of move in the next couple of years. I honestly think that we've hit a saturation point mm. and that you're probably going to have a few drop off. You're going to have a few change their game. And uh, yeah, I'm really interested to see all these things have a bit of a shelf life. So mm. I think it's probably due, especially at the top of it, that it could change next year. I'm excited for that. And seeing as we don't have summers anymore. Don't need the festivals. Yeah. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> this is a bit of a well, well, fucking hell, yeah, right. We had like Cheery one man. sunny day this summer. It was yeah, terrible. And it was all okay, like... body and soul. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was like weird Bond villain shit right there. I've seen anymore. The sun is gone in Ireland. <laughs> I thought it was an Adele lyric. I thought we were still, play- I thought we were still playing that game. Uh, <laughs> no, there's depth there. Yeah. So, so. Uh, 2016? 
Yeah, what comes to mind is the, is the two David. albums that oh, oh, Craig David, obviously you, uh, who we, we discussed in length. We need to do an individual podcast for Craig. Uh, no, what, com- what, what comes to mind are the two albums that should have come out this year that have been continuously knocked back. So Frank Ocean and Swish. Okay, mm. cool. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. All right. Yeah. So we started and finished pretty much with Kanye. Yeah, of course. <laughs> As if it was ever in doubt. Yeah. Year he so thank, you all, thank you all very much for being here. Uh, Connor, Colm, Louise, Dave and Dean. Thank you very much. Cheers, thank you. Cheers. Thank you. That was episode 24 of the Headstuff podcast. Thank you very much for listening to that. Um, I'm sitting here with Connor Wilkins. Hello. Hi. And that was Dave Hanratty, Louise Bruton, Colm O'Regan and Dean Van Nguyen. Uh, really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe to us on iTunes and, and give us a rating. And you can do so on SoundCloud if that's your if that's what you do. Um, or any other thing, we're also on uh, Acast now. Uh, we're on Stitcher and all the podcast apps. Uh, join the Facebook group for the for fans of the podcast, which is the Headstuff Podcast on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and check out the website headstuff.org. There'll be more end of year lists and things like that, music and albums and films and all sorts of stuff. Uh, thanks uh, again to Louise for letting us use her house and uh, her kitchen table. Special shout out to Harry the dog, who makes oh, yeah, a few Harry appearances. Makes an appearance yeah, on the podcast. Harry makes an appearance. Nice. We should get him on all the podcasts. Yeah, we should. Uh, we'll ask Louise about that. Okay. Um, My dog might be kind of jealous though. We can do one in your house. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll do one in Connor's house at some Cheer stage. Cheer up, Sally. We're coming down. <laughs> so. Uh, is there anything else I have to say at the end of this? Uh, oh yes, thanks to uh, Video Blue for the theme tune. Um, Mikey, I'm sure, will do the artwork. So thanks, Mikey. Um, uh, thanks to everybody for, for listening to it. And we will talk to you next week with the next episode. Good luck. Good luck.